Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through oh, the stars I, at the I speed of sound. <laughs> I want to do this bit. Please? You can you let me no, do that's this it. bit? Do I, that's do I have to start again? No, I want to do this bit. I'm Oscar. Welcome to Beef Station. <laughs> as we okay, do you want to do it? Yeah, no, I'm doing, we're doing it now. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is it, baby. Okay, go. <laughs> Welcome to Beef Station as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. <laughs> I'm Andrew. And I'm, I'm Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. All right. Back again. Round three, baby. Round three. And now we get up, we change seats, <laughs> and then we do it again yeah. in each yeah, exactly. iteration. See so how much of this two-minute-long intro has made it to the cutting room floor, <laughs> yeah. and how much <clears> of it just went out on the air. Welcome yeah. back, of course, to another episode of our movie podcast, where every week we faff about for about an hour and a half, and then deliver another 45 minutes about a movie mm-hmm. that we picked for the week. All right, we're Sometimes a little it's an too, old classic. A little too honest, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's an old classic. Sometimes it's some <laughs> bullshit that... <laughs> <laughs> we found on Netflix. Sometimes we didn't Sometimes have a lot of it's time. a new release. In this case, in this case, you better not be throwing shade on Tall Girl, oh. man. In this case, it's a movie we saw on Netflix recently that's been hyped mm. up quite a lot by close personal friend of the show, Patrick. Mm. So here he is to froth all about it. Oh, what? What? Oh, right. Sorry, you're talking about the movie that we're going to review. We're gonna <laughs> yeah. yeah. <right. laughs> so you met about another movie on Netflix that I hope so. <laughs> Off to a good off, start. Off the rails already. Yeah. Doing Uncut Gems. We're doing Uncut Gems. <laughs> yeah. Safety Brothers wrote it and directed it, starring Adam Sandler. It's on Netflix. Uncut Gems. Here we are. Here you are. Strap in. Mm-hmm. So, how you doing, Pat? Good, man. Welcome back to the show. Good. When was the last uh, time we you. had you on? Was it for Burning? Uh, yeah, it was. So that was yeah. our first yeah, existential been. crisis of the show. So, oh, let's hope God. this goes a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it was a well-received episode, but... Uh, a member of the podcast crew who shall remain that nameless ha- who had to edit that. Oh, God. <laughs> that has that episode has my blood in it. I was apparently sick of hearing the sound of his own voice. Oh, God. I've never disliked <laughs> myself more. we all... You could just hear all the tinnies being cracked. I know. Oh, yeah, the whole time. I just got <laughs> more and more. Got so shit-faced. Yeah. It was good. No, I liked it. That's the energy I want to take into 2020. Yeah. Well, I think the shame you felt for that episode is the shame that I felt after our very, very first ever test, episode one that never got released. The unreleased app. When the I, um, app. I sort of... I had a similar experience. So there you go. Yeah. Go back it's and listen to those feeling. two. It feels ever, terrible. I think most people have never had to like listen to themselves talk for an extended period of time. It doesn't help that these three person episodes also take like three times longer to edit. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to Uncut James later in the episode as mm-hmm. we uh, infuriatingly try and dance around not interrupting each other for the better part of the next three and a half hours. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Should we start with a bit of news? Yeah, yeah please. Let's do it. Beef bullet. Okay, so uh, first cab off the rank. Oh, We've got Smith. news about a new film about shady art dealers called The Burnt Orange Heresy, in which one of the starring roles is going to be played by one Mick Jagger. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Alright <laughs> Star Wars 9 leaks It's weird that uh, <laughs> Weird that Mick Jagger Would do that But yeah. he's, he's done like a couple Acting roles I think he was in a movie About Ned Kelly it, right? His previous acting role Was in 2001 though did so he He's done them like Ned Kelly Every now and then no, Yeah I know no, he did play Ned Kelly In Braidwood 
Oh you, yeah, he was. He no, was, was filmed in Braidwood. No, I don't think he played Ned Kelly. I think no, he did. Did he? Really? Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! What? Yeah, That's it's weird. He's done like he's done like an Australian. No, oh, he did, fucking he did Ned Kelly. <laughs> don't like oh, authority. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. Tell you what, nothing wrong with Ned Kelly's knees and that boy. I think that's for sure. <laughs> um, that was so. What's boy, it about? Art, art dealers. Art dealers and shit. That's it. Okay. So Burnt orange. Burnt orange heresy. Yeah. I watched that. the trailer. He looks all right, but you, it's like, is that fucking Mick Jagger? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna ruin the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, Star Wars like, It's like when Paul McCartney did a uh, starring uh, a cameo in one of the parts of the Caribbean movies. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's in, like, as parts of the Caribbean '78. And he's like, hello, <laughs> hello, Captain Jack, how you doing? <laughs> and he's in there playing fucking Blackbird or Yesterday or some shit. Yeah. It's like, uh, Wait, anyway. really? Nah, it, it was, he was playing some old folk Are you sure you're not thinking nah, of um, he plays the guy Maggie that May. plays Johnny Depp's dad? He's in, no, 100%. No, that's that's oh, okay. Keith, Keith Richards. Yeah, Keith Richards. As like one of his uncles. Yeah. He yeah. plays oh. an acoustic version of one of his songs. He plays... I'm so confused. Angie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's like sitting there, and they do like a slow pan out on his character. Dude, I, I've, it's been like one ten or two. years since yeah. I've seen those films. Sure. In any case, I think this will also break people out of it. Uh-huh. Um, we've got some very important Big Lebowski news because of our special guest today. Yes, uh, Big Lebowski spinoff <laughs> Jesus Rolls confirms release date. So this is the movie we were talking about a few weeks ago. Maybe when Josh was on the show, uh, mm. where the character, the side character, Jesus Quintana. Who's the bowler, the snappily dressed I've bowler? Never seen never, it. Oh god, you gotta watch it. Fuck, dude. He's one of those <laughs> Coen Brothers characters. What the fuck? That's nuts. He's Sorry. one of these Coen Brothers characters who's um like a, a fa- an insanely interesting character that gets like two minutes of screen. <laughs> True time. disappointment bleeding through. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I'm like, Hell, dude. Oh, man, I've seen that. That's the movie down. I've seen the most. <laughs> Damn. I've seen that more than I've seen Casper and New Beginning. No, Spirited Beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I used to rent that from anyway. I've heard yeah. of that. More than you've seen it's Basic Instinct. Am I right, Piper? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's pretty astounding. Stone shows us neuter in that movie. Apparently, that's like nineties. We also movie. talked we about all, that last week. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Like, man, these guys are fucking obsessed with shit. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I've also <laughs> never seen Basic um, Instinct. <laughs> Uh, it's just crazy how My enthusiastic people are for a movie about like a pedophile as well, because he's a pederast in that movie. Yeah, so the, mo- the movie here, the, the, char- the character is. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, not just to turn. Andrew just gave these crazy high eyebrows, like, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Oh, sorry, the, uh, I know, I was trying to figure out which movie we were talking about, whether or not it was Big Lebowski uh, or someone else. But yes, the character, Big Lebowski, Jesus, Jesus Quintana yeah, okay. is like a pedophile. And just to clarify, this that, that character is the main character of this series oh, going yeah. forward. Yeah, in this new movie, okay. that side character is the main character of this movie. It says, Jesus Quintana is fresh out of prison and ready for another adventure. Uh-oh. I don't know how it's, it's going to go, man. It's going to be released on March 20th. Who's directing Which is it? very soon. Holy shit. Um, who is the it's director? Taro, isn't it? That's an interesting question. Yeah, it's... Yeah, he's oh, di- yeah. Right, he okay, r- yeah. written and directed and starring Taturo. Oh, I'm right. looking forward I mean, to like, just really like being it, in that character. That, well, that character only has like about five minutes of screen time yeah. and you can just tell he fucking loves it like he yeah. just loves being that character. that character yeah, yeah. Which is not, so he was like good. just ready to um i think he was like trying to get permission from the coen brothers for like years to do it right <clears throat> well i don't but know they like hate sequels oh uh, yeah, yeah true yeah well i i i am looking forward to seeing it i suppose if only because it's this oddball <laughs> oddity I can't quite work out from this article here whether it's already been made or not because it says here... If it's coming out March fucking 20th or whatever. It says here Totoro 
Oh no, I, I read the article. Never mind, we're all good. But he does have the Coen Brothers blessing now, so maybe that's why yeah, it's taken yeah, so yeah. long. Very In good. any case, that's our Big Lebowski news. I was kind of hoping I'd good surprise Patty with that one, but I guess not. No, can't get one past me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Disney's Peter Pan. That's my favorite Rolling Stone song. <laughs> Disney's Peter Pan. No, you can't get one past me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Disney's Peter Pan is surprise, surprise, going to be made into a live action That's movie. And reports have surfaced that they have offered the role of Captain Hook to Joaquin Phoenix, which people live action movies all you want. I reckon he's a great pick for that. Captain Hook is Joaquin Phoenix. He'd be fucking uh, great. Yeah, fucking I hate all these remakes. Who yeah, whatever. F- but I'd love to this see is, This it. is like the, the Disney live action ones, hey? Yeah. Like in the same vein as but Aladdin doing, and all that shit. they're cranking them out. Like they did like The Lady and the Tramp recently. That was like a straight to oh, Disney that was, Plus that one. that was Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah, and they've, they've done Mulan. That's coming out as well. Yeah, they're people doing... were angry that the dogs weren't hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> to be fair, Lady and Lady and the Tramp is real hot. All I'll right. say it now. Nala is hot. Lady from Lady and the Tramp is hot. What's next, I'm Oscar? I'm going to clarify that Yeah, what's adult, the next news story, bud? I'm going to clarify <laughs> you got, that it's adult you Nala. else now in your list? Do you want to just... <laughs> nah, adult Nala, I agree. I agree. Something about her eyes. <laughs> next on the list. Uh, the Oscars uh, have tweeted about this, like, uh, app that they've put together that lets you, like... Uh-oh. <laughs> Put together like Mookie what your oh, what your, what oh, your predictions of the Oscar wins <laughs> don't are. Don't do it, Andrew. Don't do it. <laughs> right, and it gets, so like you you do the app and you like pick oh this movie this and it gives you this nice little graphic you can tweet out. Okay. It's like oh here are my predictions. Right, okay. but to promo it, they tweeted out their Oscar predictions. What which, the were then, <laughs> <laughs> which were then deleted, and they said, "Oh, in the promo for the app, we accidentally pro, uh, well, don't t- tweeted, delete it. We accidentally tweeted like oh someone else. No, they just." From the app, and then the next tweet was like this picture, which is like our Oscars predictions. And they said, like, right. oh, that was a bug. It was someone, oh, I don't know how that happened. We deleted it. No, tune in, find out. Can't wait to see it match 100%. Um, who was yeah. It? So they. Yeah, so what were their calls? Yeah. The, the picture that was posted to the Oscars Twitter account and then deleted. Best picture is Parasite. Damn, no way. Uh, best international film is Parasite. No way. It doesn't win both of those. There's best no screen, uh, world that wins both of those. Best screenplay yeah, is Parasite, and best production design is Parasite. Um, <laughs> just Bong Joon-ho for every category oh, oh, sorry, these are Bong Joon-ho's predictions <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then 1917 wins for best cinematography directing and uh, it's it's a, it's the most pixelated fucking image man it's real hard to see mm. but in any case I will be following this very carefully mm. to see whether it lines up with what wins because I think that be voting they tweeted that when voting hadn't even properly closed yet right. I think voting closes as we're recording this sort that of roughly is, now that is nuts are you going to be taking that to sports bet <laughs> yeah I was going to say yeah. I wonder sports bets like closing their bets on the Oscars yeah. like no 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 is there any way you can sports bet with the Oscars if I'm like pretty sure it's yes. going to be either 1917 or Parasite or Joker can I put $10 on each of those yes. and be up, yeah. be up no matter what yeah. Like, no matter which I of mean, those wins, I'll make a what, profit. What you're thinking of doesn't exist, but also, yes, you can do that. Because I suppose, like, mathematically, I suppose, mathema- maybe mathematically it doesn't work out, but it'd be great yeah, if I could put $10 on my first They'll make the odds so that you can't do that. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> These idiots of sports yeah, players. I, like, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit, I got some <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> These motherfuckers don't understand. I've, I've seen through the system. <laughs> I've hacked the Matrix, brother. There's this um, there's this story that a friend of mine tells where he uh, was just off in his own head one day and he was thinking about, you know, when you're just sitting there and you're like, why don't they do this? And he was thinking about like, why doesn't a betting company tell 
I can't remember exactly how he described it, but it's like, why doesn't a betting company tell half the people that they're taking bets from that the odds are one thing and half the people that they're taking bets from <laughs> that the odds are another thing? And so no matter what, they've got this large group of people that put a lot of money on something that doesn't have any, <laughs> like that doesn't pay out. So they're pretty much guaranteed to make a profit from 50%. And then they tell the people... They they tell each group like to reinvest because they they're like oh no we've we know what's we know what it's going to be like bet on this one next and they just do that fifty fifty each way so like they end up paying someone the jackpot but like it's taken it's like a full process that they have to go through and they make a profit off like each stage of it uh-huh. and his dad was like oh yeah they did that uh, during the 1900s and it got immediately banned and he was <laughs> like no <laughs> he's like it's already been done you didn't invent that idea but it was a good one when it was legal <laughs> before everyone got <laughs> yeah. on just immediately directed to a Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like the that name sucks, of the scheme man. that when you invented. just like, oh, oh fuck, this is, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to blow this shit wide open. Right. And then someone, yeah, <laughs> just links you. So it's been illegal for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I was about to invent moonshining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's about to invent sly grogging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what if we made alcohol extremely alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yep. okay, well, so what else we got? Next so how's up. this? Um, when this we headline, get to the Bond news? This is one of those, surprisingly enough, I got nothing for Bond Holy news. Shit. But I'm sure if you Google Bond, like James Bond, no time to die. Oh, no, no, no. There was. Uh, they had a Super Bowl ad. Oh, okay. They had an no, ad um, in the Super Bowl with lots of cool looking shots. So there is Bond news. Jing, right, jing, 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 fucking, jing, 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 jing. I'm off spies. I hate spies. Yeah, no, I'm not into it. Booty Judge is a spy. <laughs> what? Who, what? <laughs> yeah. Booty Judge. No, Booty Judge. No <laughs> assets, please. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the headlines where I was like, fuck yeah, I'll wait, fuck yeah. So like, okay. I, I was all in by the end of the article. Okay. Real life Spider Man will soar above Disney's Marvel Land. So there's a new Disneyland bit. Called Marvel Land. I think parts of my forebrain are starting to shut down. <clears throat> Guests are able to pilot the Millennium Falcon, build their own lights- lightsaber, get a drink at the cantina. Um, what the fuck are you talking about, man? This uh, is sp- at Disneyland. Sorry, sorry, of course that's not Marvel. I was just <laughs> reading for the article on autopilot. Sorry. Um, <laughs> He's just getting excited. <laughs> started reading out loud. Just reading um, the catalog, man. <laughs> Spider-Man gets his own attraction called Worldwide Engineering Brigade or WEB, founded by Tony Stark, uh-huh. where he shows this like web-slinging vehicle that shoots webs like Spider-Man, Black Widow, and Doctor Strange are going to be in it. But the interesting bit here with this real-life Spider-Man is that they've built Do a people fucking... who are taking this ride get to be Spider-Man? Dude, they built the a real robot humanoid spider robot that swings webs like Spider-Man. Slings? And swings. Oh, swings. It swings through the it air like Spider-Man. Look at this shit. <coughs> I'm showing the video now, which is terrible uh, for an audio medium. Yeah, but there's got this fucking robot. robot. If this is he's real, flying through the air, doing backflips and shit. Nah, that looks CG. Nah, if this nah, that's real. I, I can CG. believe that. A robot. If if there's a robot that can swing, that blows Boston Dynamics out of the fucking planet. No, because if Disney is building a robot that can swing through the air and do fucking backflips and shit, we're all fucked. I, no, yeah. because no, I don't. I don't think it's gonna blow Boston Dynamics out of the water because, like, uh, I think that's probably the sort of tech that it's probably going to break down. It's probably going to fly into the crowd and kill <laughs> yeah. a family. Well, that's what it looks like it's going to do, yeah. <laughs> so Disney has a fucking animatronic Spider-Man that swings webs like Spider-Man. I don't yeah. believe it. I'm how calling it now. I think um, that's marketing and it is how good uh, is it? visual effects. You're going to be able to, uh, like in, in 20 years, we're all going to have apartments that are just in Disneyland and we just get to live 
in nostalgia forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that'll be good. Just consuming products. I want to be one day. of those horse people. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you'll, you can actually buy the seats that the robot is going to land in and kill you. Yeah. It's just way more than a normal seat. Ooh. Oh, imagine like... I'd be uh, happy if they just paid me in candy corn. It's all yeah, suicide D- Disney getting Futurama, into it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Disney <laughs> getting into the uh, creative euthanasia industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be killed in the most innovative way possible. <laughs> I definitely want to be uh, uh, killed like Indiana Jones by the big fucking. Uh, I mean, he doesn't get killed, but by the big boulder. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to like steal yeah, the yeah, idol. Yeah. Fuck. And no, I, I want to just be, don't um, make it. Just slip. I want to be killed like the Green Goblin, just being like run through. Ooh, by Ooh, that's own a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And get okay, to and I'm gonna finish it. Say goodbye to <laughs> nice my enemies. Yeah, and slowly. Speaking of finishing things off, yes, nice and slowly. I have a yes. final. <laughs> I have a final news story here. Have you heard about this new like meta Nicolas Cage movie that's coming out? It's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and they've just we've talked about it before on the show, and they've they've, mm. they've just confirmed the release date, which is going to be 19th of March, 2021 before it gets pushed back. Um, Nicolas Cage is going to star in this movie where he plays a fictionalized version of himself um, in which he's working towards trying to get a role in a Tarantino film, reluctantly accepts a job to a job to attend a Mexican billionaire's birthday party because he's going to be paid a million dollars to do it and then gets kidnapped <laughs> and drug cartel there's like, there's like dude kid- that sounds fucking sick it's going to be like, pretty good there's, there's, there's like a kidnapping Holy and there shit. are drug cartels and Nicolas Cage has to like save everyone's life and like be the hero I'm fucking excited for this that, movie that it sounds, sounds absolutely well, wild so I think um, e- every actor seems to be having their own little resurgence every now and yeah. then um, yeah. we had like uh, Matthew McConaughey in 2014, 2015. Yeah. <laughs> he had a string of films. And then was, there was someone recently... Joaquin Phoenix a little bit. Joaqu- Joaquin, definitely. He, um, no, he's been pretty consistently on and off the whole time. Uh, her was the big, big resurgence for him, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's sort of on and off for a lot of actors. But I think we're definitely getting into a Nick Cage phase here. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's After not... Mandy, it's, it's, and it's like this weird sort of intersection between... Um, like ironic this, this or not, like it's n- like nostalgia and weird. irony. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, because I think people are realizing, like filmmakers and audiences are realizing that the more unhinged he is and the more space he has to just wild the fuck out, as opposed oh, yeah. to like putting whatever bullshit spin he has on like some really insanely fucking boring character. Yeah, letting he, like writing an interesting character for him and letting him just like go. Like fucking fifty leagues above that. <laughs> well, this sounds fucking great. Well, yeah, the, the end that of, sounds awesome. The end of the synopsis here is that he's making this paid appearance at this Mexican billionaire's birthday party. After bonding with this billionaire, the CIA tells him that this this um, this billionaire is actually a drug cartel kingpin who's kidnapped the daughter of a Mexican presidential nominee. Yeah, and Cage ends up working with the CIA to entrap this billionaire. Some crazy shit. I'm looking forward to it. That's it's a bit of like a <laughs> snake, snakes on a plane sort of yeah. setup. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, it's it's, where it's, I, where I, it's a bit silly and tongue in cheek the whole time. Yeah I, it, yeah, I think it's that I can already like I can already in my head like read Pick whatever fucking paper oh, some yeah. film student's yeah, gonna yeah. write about that film. Yeah. But it is interest. <laughs> it is interesting, like as like a cultural moment, just like how hard society in general and especially like popular culture is like leaning into irony and like being self aware when we like 
watch things well, like like hate watching things is becoming like such a common thing now yeah. it's weird like with Mandy it almost not even referenced the fact that it's ironic like it almost feels like it's so all in on the that's, fact that it's yeah, silly it's like transcends irony you yeah. think oh no yeah. it's great yeah, yeah. Exactly. it took itself so seriously that it, it sort of wasn't oh but it didn't it didn't anymore. though it was, this, it was yeah, in well, this weird yeah. like Schrodinger's cat yeah. sort of yeah, it dealt That's with itself so seriously, but it never <laughs> lost sight of what it was doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It sounds great. Yeah, it sounds sick. It's like earnest irony. Mm. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, I went to school with earnest irony. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> hey, um, Vern. <laughs> no one's um, gonna get that. So uh, that's the news. That's, that's all we got. That's the news. I see you didn't come pre-prepared with any headlines, Patty. That's okay. No hard <laughs> feelings. Um, you, uh, you don't know this, but you've been upstaged by the guest that was on last week who did bring his own news headlines. <laughs> Written down <laughs> word off. for word on a piece of paper, by Zach, the way. Yeah. Not- <laughs> I ain't doing any fucking homework for this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. No, um, writing's for nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, we forgot to. Thanks, Zach. We forgot to plug your shit. Do you want to okay, do that? Okay, yeah. No, so no, do it now. Do it now. If if there are any paint store fans listening, we're playing. Pat's uh, in a band called so Paint Store. Called Paint Store. They play shows They're in very Canberra. Good. They're well, very, descri- very good. Describe your sound, Patrick. Oh, great. Um, kind of like jangle. Well, I call it jangle punk. Um, yeah. Sort of smacks of like the go-betweens, but also like uh, talking heads. A little bit of talking heads. A little bit of pavement. Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. Mm, cool. um, but so we're playing uh, Transit Bar on the 15th with Vetti Viles and Kathy Diver. Of, oh, that'll be a of load of February? Fun. Yes, sorry, 15th of February. Uh, yeah. We're playing 22nd of, 22nd of February at the Polish Club Ooh. with Sleepy and Agency and okay. Jim Dusty. That's going to be fun. Uh, we're playing the 25th. Uh, I think that one's at the front um, and that's with Griffin Ford and the Variables. That's always good. They're great. Uh, and a couple other bands. And that one's still sort of in the works. So <laughs> <Hot> <laughs> just scoop. keep an eye. Exclusive. Keep an eye on Facebook, on our Facebook page. We'll Fa- chuck the links in the episode description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, f- you can just go onto our Facebook page, Paint Store Band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paint um, Store, Paint Store. And then we also have uh, the 26th uh, of March, Transit Bar. We're playing with two Irish punk bands. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Which will be pretty fun. How do they find you for that. Do they just I don't Google? know. I think they just like look at like Facebook likes and just, just I don't fucking I usually, you know, we, we recommend bands to other bands that have offered us and stuff like that. Mm. So uh, and then we're also playing the twenty fourth of April, a Black Jesus. Mountain Records gig, and that'll be just before our guitarist Liam leaves for a couple of months. Actually, I think it's the rest. <laughs> it'll just be me in Australia for a couple of months, and the rest Shit, of the band's damn. leaving. Paint store solo, baby. International yeah. paint store. Yeah. yeah. So uh, come out for any of those. Um, you'll be like the Smashing Pumpkins. You can just remake a new paint store, and you with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to become a solo really recording like, project. You guys have a really relaxed vibe at your gigs. There's like a lot of talking to the audience. It's very yeah. fun chilled kind of night so yeah even if you don't go and check out a whole lot of um live camera music this is a really easy way to get into it transit bars are great yeah the transit bars fun. front is great mm. uh, no, there Polish are a bunch Club's of really good, good venues there'll be super yeah. good shows so at least go to one of them find one that you can go yeah. to yeah all right yeah. great thank you for plugging that we mentioned it at the top of the show but we'll do it at the end of the news because people will stick through the news anyway don't yeah, you yeah. people yeah. haven't quit in this yet <laughs> all right so uh we'll kick into a bit of a beefness or pleasure now so that's uh, of course the uh the segment every week, of course, we uh, we, uh, we 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 like to watch a watch a pre-prepared Pat, movie, a, a pre-selected movie, and uh, this is going to be a while. Take some notes, watch <laughs> a video essay. <laughs> well, go if you need to. <laughs> you know, you re- really do our homework and sort of understand the core of the movie it is that we're prepared to see. And it's a bit of work, but for the for the for beef station, it's it's worth it. Yep. But yeah, sometimes we like to kick back and relax. We yep. like to, you know, f- fill up the pool and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pop in a floaty, jump yep. on our boardies, grab a beer, and kick back and 
sip a cold one while we're watching something yep. that we enjoy, that mm-hmm. we want to do. Yep. Yeah, you right. motherfuckers. Yep. So this segment, beautiful or pleasure, is mm. you know for talking about other shit we've seen this week that's mm-hmm. not that's not on Cut Gems. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pat. Oh, I'm first cab off the rank, huh? No, I was just just looking at you. I don't um, think this week. <laughs> no, I can go. Back. Just saying your name, bro. Just saying my saying name. name. Um, so I watched. Uh, look, I watched. Um, this film called <laughs> The Evil The Evil Within. Um, oh, okay. I think I was talking to you guys about this a That's couple a of weeks ago. That's a video game, right? No, no, no. So Unrelated. there is a video game. Uh, okay. Cool. Um, so let me just... It's like a pause screen for two hours. Evil Within too. Uh, so Evil Within... Evil Within as well. Uh, this film <laughs> was being made for a solid decade. Damn. Um, huh? By Andrew Getty, who is heir to the Getty fortune in America. <laughs> oh, Shit. no, you were telling me about this movie. So he was an American oil heir, businessman, film director, and philanthropist. Um, this man filmed uh, this. Oil heir. He's that, he's that guy with the, with the triangles, right? It's Eula. Keep going. You are the <laughs> only person who got that joke. <laughs> um, no, I got it. Uh, so <laughs> No, no. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he started filming. Started filming this film in t- uh, 2002. It was originally called The Storyteller and then proceeded to edit it for 15 years. <laughs> Fucking he, hell. He, he filmed it in I'm his mansion. He filmed it job. in his own mansion. He was addicted to meth. <laughs> um, so he's like smoking meth while he's like gradually, gradually f- like filming this film and like um, uh, he's like making the sets, a lot of practical effects and stuff like that. Fuck. <laughs> and it's like simultaneously like the dumbest and scariest film like I've ever seen. It's also <laughs> like very central to it is um, it's basically centered around this mentally uh, disabled boy who um, well he's uh, he it's and, it's and it's played by a guy who isn't mentally disabled. So it's a really like fucking offensive oh, like, yeah. betrayal. Hashtag Benny Sapp. Which is like, but, al- <laughs> yeah. but also like it was in 2002. So this was like when Sean Penn was doing I Am Sam and like nearly getting yeah, a fucking yeah, Oscar yeah. for it. I, I also yeah. don't think that it's all right that Benny Safdie played that guy. In, so that, I was listening to an time. interview where they talked about this and they said they really wanted to cast someone yes. that was differently yeah. able, but there were stunt routines that they just could not fucking get someone who was... Differently able to. I mean, there's yeah, but people have stunt guys. Yeah, there's there's an argument that like I think they were working on too tight a time frame and they couldn't make space <laughs> it for it. Both, and it's yeah. like maybe they had the obligation to like make space for someone. I don't know. Right. Fucking whatever. Yeah. In any but case, there's there's probably probably doesn't one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's central well. around this performance, but uh, this. <laughs> yeah, well, this guy had 15 years to find someone. <laughs> <to do> it, <laughs> so. I won't get into a blow by blow, but it's like it's just I sat down to watch it and immediately it was just like confusing and terrifying. So is it bad or good? Like, is so it like, like hey, watch like the room? Uh, no, because like half of it's like the room, and then it's just followed by like these really fucking weird practical effects sequences that are like kind of genuinely disturbing. And you said it was like a horror movie kind of thing. It's a horror movie, yeah. It's a horror movie, but it, yeah, um, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of. I've heard uh, like a couple of other friends who have watched it say that they think it's like haunted. <laughs> like right. it's, it's just like it's not a disturbing film, but it, it's like a disturbed film. Right. Like there's something that doesn't sit right about it. Right? Is, is it um, compelling and interesting, or is it like yeah, a, I'd say so. A weird piece of art where you watch it just because it took him 15 years to. I mean, little column part of it, little isn't it? column yeah, okay. It's a really fucking interesting oddity and a, yeah. like a really interesting artifact. Yeah. That, so is it on Netflix or do you have to like find some bootleg? No, way to watch I it had to, Yeah, it's actually it's on YouTube. Um, I rented <laughs> of it. Of course it is. I rented it because like I didn't want to watch a 
240p version or whatever. <laughs> I, but you can easily watch it on YouTube. I really dig how easy it is to rent any old movie for like $4 on the internet now. It's good shit. Uh, yeah. I, I do kind of miss like wandering through the aisles of a, like a video store. That, that yeah. was well, like I, just looking at trying to judge films off their posters. I just mean fun. like as opposed to like five years ago where there were heaps of times oh, where if, for you, sure. if you wanted to watch a movie and you couldn't find it. You're fucked. In the one place you're fucking you yeah. to steal it. Yeah. yeah. God damn. Okay. Um, I... <laughs> Sorry, I was looking up the Wikipedia article for it, and there, I at the bottom of that page, there was a list of films with the longest production time. It was actually <laughs> redirected from list of films shot over three or more years. Yeah, <laughs> this looks like a pretty interesting list. Is the first one that stands that out list? to me is uh, Eraserhead. Yeah, um, yeah, Eraserhead. Apparently, on Lynch struggled to finance it. Goddamn. Um, Boyhood is like the yeah, obviously so, yeah. the leading <laughs> one, but. Um, there's a number of years column. There's one from 2017. Balik Bayan number one. Memories of overdevelopment. Redux six. Well, pas- Passion of the Christ, of course, took two thousand years to make. So nice. Nothing's uh, beaten that. Baby. The one that I just read out, which I'm not reading the title of again because we don't have time, took thirty eight years <laughs> oh, to fucking shoot. There's another one that's thirty eight. That was Man in the Mirror from 2008. Well, what was the, t- the other one that you couldn't read out because you didn't have time? I said it, but you were too busy cracking a fucking dumb joke. <laughs> uh, Balik Bayan, number Ooh. one, Memories of Overdevelopment, Redux 6. I would have remembered that if you'd said There's Did actually you really one... say that and I didn't hear you say that? Yes, Balik literally Bayan, that. Memories yes, of an Overdevelopment, Redux 6. Yes, just... Just released me. in 2017, by the way. On that list as well, there's a really interesting one called Perspective that's being released later this year. Ooh. How long did it take to make? Um, Nine years. There you go. Well, it's no Balik Bayan, Memories of an Overclock, Redux 6. So, you know, that's all right. Yeah, um, Billy Bayon, number one memories of overdevelopment <laughs> reader. <laughs> um, I got a really ice cold take here. Yes. I've recently jumped in on Amazon Prime so I can watch House. Yeah, as boo. Li- as uh, <laughs> listeners, avid fans of the show will know. Uh-huh. Got off house because f- fuck the same thing happens every single week in that goddamn <laughs> show. That stupid show is like someone comes up with some whack ass disease. It's not lupus. House says it's probably this. Everyone else is like, no, it's not. It's never that. And then they fuck around for forty five minutes, and then house is right at the end. Yeah. Spoiler alert for every single episode of but house. What if it's herpes? <laughs> <laughs> Just every episode. <laughs> it's herpes. <laughs> but the patient is a chair. <laughs> It um, seems like every patient that comes in here is, has red genital warts. <laughs> You're giving them cat scans? <laughs> okay, so I went off, went off house, jumped on Mrs. Maisel, watched all of that. Oh, New how Amazon. that? It's great. It's really good. Okay. I like it a lot. Um, well, it's not, it's not... I don't know. I could, if someone could tell me why like, artistically it's not spectacular, but I had a fun time watching it. You want someone to mansplain why it's not good to you? You know what I mean? Like, you'll enjoy <laughs> something and someone like, actually, you're like, fuck off, I had a great time watching it. Yeah, exactly. It. Um, new show I'm on? The cinematographer that worked on that is very impressive. Seinfeld, baby. Work. Seinfeld's a great show. Are you watching it from the start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is this your first time? I've never seen it before. Oh, bro. Goddamn. So and I know this is the stupidest thing to say. Holy shit, it's so funny. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. so funny. And there's a lot of hey, curb it's your... okay. Party's still gone. Welcome <laughs> in. Welcome yeah. in. There's a lot of curb your enthusiasm level stupid shit that happens you, you know in why, that show. Right? Yeah, I know. Of course. Yeah, but like, I, I, I love the sense of humor that Larry David has yeah. doing Curb Your Enthusiasm. And so going into Seinfeld, I didn't realize, like, oh, of course, it's exactly the same sense of humor. Well, yeah. Because the dude helped help make the show. It's it's kind of weird when you, when you compare that to Curb Your Enthusiasm as well, because half of it is like, like Larry David's just fucking frankly genius setups for episodes and yeah. storylines yeah. and stuff like that and then Seinfeld the other half is like why, why do they make toothbrushes red now <laughs> I actually well, think have you noticed this <laughs> folks why do they do that 
I actually I I know that Jerry kind of sucks in the show, but I really like. He like, also kind of sucks in real life. That's, yeah. <laughs> I like stand up in the show the way it fits in. I think it's, yeah. I think it's cool. I like the format of the whole thing. It's great. Yeah, it's it's my, a really enjoyable show. My favorite episode so far is one that I think I'm up to season three. Maybe uh-huh. is the one with the limo. That's my favorite episode so far. Where they, With the Nazis? Yeah. Yeah. Great. And it, that's one of those shows where like something goes wrong and they've fucked it again and mm. again and again and again and yeah. again. And 20 minutes in, you can't believe all the stupid shit they've done that leads them yeah. to like George being the keynote speaker at a white supremacist it's rally. It's such a... like. <laughs> it's like there's like a... Rube Goldberg logic to yeah. the way they write yeah, those yeah. episodes. It's really, really fucking good. I always get a kick out of watching I feel like you film. might enjoy Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I've got to get I feel it. like I it's I got have... the same kind of like Rube I really Goldberg want to watch setup. the same. Maybe with a lot more like millennial cynicism. It, it's a, it, there's like a dose of surrealism to it as well. Yeah, right. I don't know. I feel like I've fallen out of Always Sunny a bit. I never got into it, but yeah. I've, it's you know. got like a million seasons, but I've never seen any of it. And friend of the show and previous guest Callum, who was on our yeah. uh, Jurassic Park episode, mm. I think, um, it's one of he, he I think he went all in and watched 10 seasons of it yeah. um, and he says that it's one of those shows much like Seinfeld where every single character is a piece of shit yeah and, <laughs> yeah. and there are no vindicating moments really for any yeah. of these characters they're all in it for themselves and you just watch it you're like oh god you all suck and something, mean, something weird is compelling about it yeah maybe it says I don't know the only thing that really makes me laugh is just watching terrible people do terrible things. Yeah, like, yeah to each other just, and all that. Yeah, yeah, like and just fucking just getting like a really uh, fitting judgment as well. As well. Like yeah. they just get what's coming to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So That's I'm, what's really satisfying. I'm really loving it. So you that's my... Uh, everyone else, go check out Seinfeld. Yeah, if you <laughs> haven't heard of it yet. <laughs> you ever seen Michael Richards' stand-up routines? Yeah. Oh, he's not as good as Jerry's. Okay. Interesting. Um, uh, oh, man. You know, you know Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all that. I, I didn't Watch wanna... the apology video. <laughs> yeah. Watch I've the watched, original I've clip. I've watched all of his except for one. I, <laughs> wish, <laughs> I wish we had a moment on this where we had to break it to you. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing. Dave Chappelle has a really good bit where he says, like, he watched that Michael Richards bit. So, Michael Richards, uh, an infamous clip that went viral where he got on stage, I think, the comedy star in LA and said the N-word and yelled at a black guy in the audience and it was this whole fucking thing. Um, Just uh, watching a man set his entire, like, quite long career on fire. And um, there were apologies and whatever bullshit. And Dave Chappelle said he was watching Michael Richards' video doing this. And he said, like, on the one hand, as a black guy, I was like, well, fuck this guy. But on the other hand, as a comedian, I was like, poor guy, brother's having a bad set. Don't let him get to you. Yeah, 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 Stay yeah. with him, Kramer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was part yeah. of his last stand-up special. Oh, good. fuck. Oh, th- those, Dave Chappelle, those Dave Chappelle specials, I think on the, on the whole are mostly great. I think there's one where there was a bit of controversy about some minority group that he was insulting and I didn't oh, find man. that shit very on, funny. He steps on trans people That's it. Constantly. I didn't find that stuff very funny, yeah. but I think all in all, I liked... Uh, w- Whatever the first one was, I think it was really good. Have we got anything else relaunching into Uncut Gems? No, I didn't have any time. Okay, great. I've been playing a shitload of Modern Warfare on PS4. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uncut Gems. Yes. yes. I think it's like the fifth movie by the Safdie brothers or something. I've got uh, the Wikipedia page open here. And it's like third major movie. They've, they've released heaps of shit, but done most a bunch recently, of short films. the only film I'd known that they had released was Good Time with uh-huh. Robert Pattinson yeah. that we covered just recently, actually, a few a few episodes ago, mm. and now this is their new movie, Uncut Gems. That is a very similar movie in tone and kind of themes, I suppose, to Good Time. 
I suppose. I suppose uh, is it quickly, it stars Adam Sandler, Lakeith Stanfield, Julia Fox, Kevin Garnett, and a whole host of other Let's people. Let's just get the elephant in the room out of the way straight up, because like I think we're 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 all in a little bit of like an indie film bubble, knowing. Oh yeah, this he's Adam Sandler. Adam is Sandler great is in this. not playing his normal Adam Sandler shit. He's not. It's this isn't your this ain't your grandpappy's Adam Sandler. Yeah. This isn't. Happy Madison. There's a couple of movies I've Billy seen Madison, of him where Happy he, <laughs> Happy Madison. <laughs> where he, yeah. When he actually tries, he's brilliant. Like he was really yeah. good in uh, Punch Drunk Love, uh, the Meyerowitz stories as well. Yeah, we talked about him in that. Yeah, and uh, he did a really fucking excellent job. I, everything I've seen him in, where he, where so this is like Benny, Josh, and Benny Safdie have written this movie and directed it, so he has nothing to do with it creatively other than acting this part. Mm. And I think it's great. Yeah, um, he does a really good job. Pat, you were the one that sort of first hyped hype this movie up and sort of got me onto it. So have you got oh, anything right. to sort of introduce um, maybe you, why it is that you were into this? this? Oh, I was just into Good Time. I saw Good Time yeah. at the cinemas and um Really? That would have been so good. Yeah, no, time. I think well that's the thing that I was <laughs> that's the thing that I was would have been a very good time. That's the thing that I was pissed off about. The the fact that um Uncut Gems was getting a Netflix release because One of Tricks Point never did the score for Good Time and Uncut Jams. And they're both great for well, the music. Yeah. But just the way, just how imposing his scores are. Oh, you need, you need, you need, you need to feel you it. You need air moving. Well, it reminded yeah, me. You really do. Yeah. When we we watched the movie together just recently, and watching it with the music blasting, it reminded me that there were so many times that we watched uh, Uncut Gems and moments that reminded me of watching You Were Never Really Here, mm. where scenes weren't really doing very much for me visually but because of what the music was doing it was hyping the scene up so yeah, much and making yeah. it way more tense or way more suspenseful or way more beautiful than it ever would have been otherwise and so it's one I feel like there are two different types of film score there are film scores where you, you don't notice them at all and that's them doing their job and there's other film scores which is like what this is doing where they're so present and they're so a part of the artistic statement of the film almost to use like a wanky terminology like where it the fact that you notice them is what they're supposed to be doing like Mandy did that a lot where the music's yeah. really in your face this did that a lot where the music's really noticeable and really present and I mean you, you think what you're saying is wanky but I was literally going to say that he you know it provides a timbre to the film so oh mm. that gets me out of jail free <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean yeah that's yeah I, I really like films where the score is really pronounced and adds just so much to the film even like to to a very lesser extent but still in the same sort of ballpark um uh the soundtrack and the score for hello hello high water i've never seen that oh, i would highly that, recommend yeah. that okay. um because it just adds like these guys are modern outlaw renegades in like texas and they've got like um just a bunch of like really good country songs that right hell yeah yeah I, I would highly sort recommend checking that film really out well. yeah well I actually was reading through we've kind of gotten straight into the soundtrack which is an interesting thing and I think it's <laughs> I think it is such an important integral part pronounced. of this film it yeah. kind of makes sense to be talking about yeah. it but let's jump back after we I mentioned synopsis? this and we'll do a bit of a synopsis of like yeah. what the fuck this film's actually about yeah, but right. I was listening just to sort of tie a bow on that I was reading an interview um, on Stereogum with Daniel Lopatin who is One O Tricks Point Never the person behind the soundtrack and he was saying once again that's One O Tricks Point <laughs> yeah. Never yep um, 
just Google Uncut Gems soundtrack and you'll see <laughs> the words written and then you'll have that and you'll puzzle like, no, solved that, for that you. That can't be right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but he was saying, he said two really interesting things. One about the personalization that he gave to Howie, the main, the protagonist in mm. Uncut Gems. Like and the other one. Yeah. Uh, how, Howie, because Howie sort of has his own unique sound among the soundtrack of this film. That's interesting. So how he gave, how he embodied Howie with that. And also, um, <laughs> The way that he scores particular moments in the film. How he embodied Howie. Yeah. Um, so, he, when he talks about uh, the way that he created music for Howard when it's sort of representing his journey. And he says, it's all centered around Howard. In that sense, it's very similar to Good Time. So, how, so Howie, was, Howard is Adam Sandler's character, the main yes, character the, in the movie the that we'll go over in a sec. Uh, the only thing that complicates it is the idea of the opal, which we'll get into, but Howard has a vague sense of mystical properties happening in his life that he thinks he can scratch away at or discover through wildly ambitious harebrained schemes he comes up with. <laughs> but he really does have this kind of spiritual optimism, and to honour that, we gave the music a heft, almost a revelry. And he says he was really I drawn sort of to... I get that, yeah. yeah it's a little was, bit joyous. Right. Like when he's putting on some crazy bet to try and fix his whole fucking life. Like, I'll just do this one bet and everything will be fine. It is kind of And spiritual. it's kind of wild and crazy and the score yeah. really amps you up. And he says he drew a lot of direct influence from Vangelis, who is a Greek musician that did oh, the yeah. score for you Blade Runner, the original yeah. Blade Runner film. And I... Not to toot my own horn, I immediately <laughs> picked that. I thought it's the most similar soundtrack I've ever heard. Is the soundtrack Andrew standing the original up at his laptop runner. and going, Vangelis! Vangelis! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fucking writing it down <laughs> and sealing it in an envelope. Yeah. I'm oh, Googling God. like Daniel Loban and phone number so I can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call him and tell him. The other thing that he said about the soundtrack is that he Sorry, uh, yeah. builds up to certain moments of things happening that seem innocuous in the film, but like a character opening a door. Mm. And he says like the thing that he'll do is he'll build a crescendo. Basically, he'll build a crescendo up to that point and he won't like compose it to have like a, a rhythm or something. He won't write a song that's like, you know, uh, when a door opens and that's the there are lyrics and stuff that go on, but he'll build to this moment in the film and he'll sort of he, he he embodies that moment with like a hollowed, uh, hallowed quality, I guess. So it becomes this like super significant moment in the soundtrack, and you hear that a lot. I think you notice it more when you're sort of looking for it. But the sound will build to particular moments in the film that then become very significant, not because they are actually significant in the narrative, but because they're significant in the feeling and the tone of the film. Yeah, I think that. I mean, the score led me. Uh, uh, multiple points throughout the film uh, led me to conclusion. I was like trying to jump to conclusions that didn't happen. Yeah. It I makes was, you like, so nervous watching yeah, it. It makes you well. nervous and you're like, oh, this is definitely going to fucking happen. And then yeah. it doesn't. It makes which you is think like, of like yeah. every way it's going to go wrong. Because right. I think, yeah, this, this film is about a very particular point in like um, anticipation. Yeah. It's, it's a film of anticipation, yeah. like apprehension. Good Time does that as well. Yeah. It's a lot of similar tones between like all the suspense and all the horrible shit that all the characters are doing and the way in which it makes you in emotionally invest yourself in these characters who are on paper terrible people yep. but for some reason like it's it's often just like, you like buy in. it's in good time where it's Robert Pattinson says I'm just trying to no the, the girl says like I'm just trying to do this good thing for, for someone yep. mm. and it's like these horrible people that are just trying to get their life back on track and, and he's taking of, advantage you, over and yeah. yeah you root for him for some reason like you don't know why you're rooting for Adam Sandler because he's this horrible gambling addict guy who's lying to everyone yeah, and cheating everyone yeah. and it's like oh come on man yeah you're just trying to help yourself this one time and yeah, Fuck. the so, best example I could come up with was when he uh, 
gets locked in the boot and it's 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 building <laughs> funniest scene oh, in the so film. fucking good. so great so it's building and building and building and building and the soundtrack keeps like becoming this it's almost like this pink floyd wall of noise thing we don't want to spoil it too early right then. but he starts like hammering on the boot and sort of yelling for help and the score keeps building and then he ends up calling someone on the phone and <laughs> the moment that they pick up it all drops away and it's immediately yeah. silenced, right? <laughs> He's like, and so, hey, how's it going? <laughs> right. And, but it gives it this, it gives that, the the moment where he, someone answers the phone, which is like in the whole scope of that process, pretty insignificant. But it makes that feel like the emotional release. It makes it feel like the point at which yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, thank God I'm okay. Yeah. Which I think is a really effective way to do it because I think other directors might not do that through the score. They might do that through like the the uh, like a big cut or like a, an acting moment or something where he's like, oh, thank God, I you suppose, answered the phone. I suppose but, yeah. maybe it's a good way of making the score reflect his own personal like emotional anxieties. Yeah, because I think he, so. he 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 thinks like I'm fucked unless they answer the phone. Unless yeah. I can get onto someone, and as soon as she does, he's like, oh my god, thank God. Yeah. Well, it's just really refreshing as well to have some. Uh, really creative and um, dedicated filmmakers in the industry right now who are very committed to uh, making space for sound and for yeah. scores and music in their films, like more so than I would say like 90% of the other films that are yeah. out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's this weird, yeah, it's, it's almost, it almost feels like traditionalist in the way that like, a John Williams score does. Yeah. It's like it, they've clearly they're worked punctuating with, so such insanely specific moments yeah, in the film, right. and it adds so much to it. I suppose and the, you don't see Lobertin that. Actually, he did the same thing on this soundtrack as he did with his with Good Time, where he includes uh, audio clips from the film within the record yeah. of the soundtrack. Oh, so, fuck like that, you I don't cannot like that. buy. But it makes them inseparable. I suppose you so. cannot I have so, yeah. the Good Time soundtrack without parts of the movie. And you can't have the movie without the good time soundtrack. So I, I suppose I never listen to movie soundtracks, but when I do, or like when I do listen to a film score for a film I do like, and they have those clips in, I'm like, "Gosh, shut up!" I'm it, just trying to. It usually annoys me, but they're so integral to the tone of the song that it actually becomes almost just like a musical vocal sample that That's I cool. don't mind okay. sometimes. And it feels more like you know how sometimes they'll in, uh, people who do mixtapes will include segments of people talking or like little intercuts of like maybe Skits an interview or a narrator yeah. or a, right a skit. It's it sort of feels more like that. It doesn't feel quite so jarring the second or third time I listened to it. I actually yeah, right. liked that they included those bits for context. So yeah. Anyway, okay. So what the f- what the fuck is Uncut Gems about? Yeah. So I'll try. And, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm trying to master giving a little concise summary. So j- jump in if you want me to flesh anything out. But, Great. So, but it came out just at the end of the year in America, 2019. Just came out in 2020 in Australia on Netflix. Directed and written by Josh and Benny Safdie. It's, Wikipedia says it's a crime thriller, but I would say it's it's like a very tense, very suspenseful drama about Adam Sandler, who is this diamond dealer, this kind of jewellery dealer in the Diamond District in New York City in the present day. Um, Just can I jump in with the yep. genre? I would say there are like genres that people group together pretty constantly um, comedy drama Yeah comedy yeah. drama Action Fucking whatever Thriller yeah. sure. But I, I think this is a comedy thriller Yeah I think that's probably yeah. The best way to phrase it Yeah That's probably fair it, This is a this is a. You're right It's really funny this movie yeah. um, it's But got it's a, so subtle. A huge amount of ang- ang- Anxiety and suspense That it builds in you When you're watching it In a very Indescribable way I think I can't compare it to anything else I've seen other than Good Time. I think Good mm. Time yeah. did the, it makes you feel stressed out of your mind in the same manic way that this does. Yeah. So really, if you've seen Good Time, it's very similar to that. If you haven't, it's kind of very, very suspenseful, very tense kind of 
drama, comedy, thriller kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Adam Sandler pays this dodgy fucking gem dealer, this jeweler, who is constantly like lying and cheating to people by like using stock from his shop to pay off gambling debts and like hustling and dodging different mafia dudes that he's borrowed money from. Yeah, playing like five people against each other. And um, he's like borrowed money to borrow money to borrow money to yeah. pay back right. people to pay back people to pay back people. You right. Know? So I think th- I think that the way the main complications of the film all kick off is that he's borrowed money off one guy to borrow money off someone else to put a, a big bet on some basketball match that is gonna he's gonna use the winnings for that to pay off some other gambling debt for all these dudes that are gonna come and like break his hands or like. To pay back our fucking money, man. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we, <laughs> listeners, that's gonna, gonna get cut, cut out. But Oscar just like in in mid in mid sentence, he just <laughs> totally gave away the ending yeah. of the film without thinking about it. And Pat and I just like looked at each other. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well done. That was very good. Um, yep. So it's it's all that it's all that shit. Meanwhile, he's got this amazing. Opal, this huge opal, oh, right. the yeah. size of yeah. his yeah, yeah. fist that he's ordered from some dodgy sort of b- it's a, it's a blood black di- opal, like blood yeah. diamonds style mine in Africa somewhere, and it's this huge, colourful orb of rock where when you stare into it, you kind of see this big galaxy, and the film does this great effect when it yeah. dives into it, and he it's really. He shows it to some captivating. Ba- it's, yeah. it, it's and the way it's shot is really cool. He shows it to some basket NBA basketball player who is played by real life basketball player Kevin Garnett as mm. himself, who is in there to buy some chains or diamonds or whatever, um, and is captivated by this amazing diamond that Adam Sandler is going to sell for millions of dollars at auction next week. And he says like, "Oh man, this is awesome! I want to borrow this for the weekend as a good luck charm for my match." And Kevin Garnett, who's borrowing this giant diamond... Um, Opal. Opal, sorry, yeah. Uh, ends up not giving it back as easily as Adam had hoped he would. And so most of the movie is Adam trying to re- recover this giant Opal that's going to solve all his problems. And he yeah. has all these other bullshit problems along the way. he's got the Opal scheduled for an auction. Yeah. And it's going to sell for a shitload of money. And he owes and money so- to 14 different people. He's cheating on his wife. And the uh, person he's cheating with is causing him no ends of trouble and all yeah, sorts of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So already, there's so many. It's like a, I said to Pat, it's like a house of cards they've stacked up. Yeah, there's so yeah. much yeah. bullshit ready to go wrong. And every because he's stacking so many things, he he makes so many things reliant upon other things not falling through. <laughs> that when one thing falls through, it has that Rube Goldberg effect. Yeah, it's of like, like what you said with Seinfeld. This yeah. is like a stressful. Seinfeld. It just creates so many more yeah. compound problems, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Pat, what did you think of the film? Um, was it every, was it everything you'd hoped? Yeah, because I know yeah, you were really yeah, it was brilliant. Right? I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, it was really really nice to see Adam Sandler. I feel like he's challenged himself in a few roles recently. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, not I recently, was but really surprised his career. Myowitz stories. So I was uh, uh, I was actually he's, psyched. He's fucking for, terrific in, in Myowitz stories. Yeah, um, yeah. Would highly recommend people Do you watch that. His performance in this is more impressive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, a transformation. I would almost believe in Myowitz stories that it's him almost playing himself a bit. Right. But in I this, don't know, this but it's a, a, I think, honestly, like his character in Myrovich stories is maybe like more subtle as well. Yeah, that's probably it's more true, yeah. more three dimensional. This is more like this a crazy ass Looney Tunes character. <laughs> yeah, but th- this character, you know, it's a good. You know, a character in a film is good mm. if at 
they're at once believable and three dimensional, but they're also like immediately recognizable and distinct. Yeah, which um, which like Howard definitely has a look about yeah. him, and he it's very distinct. It's not Adam Sandler, and also the way that like, he look. talks, like he's adopted yeah. this kind of like tone to his voice, which is I guess similar to his normal tone of his voice, but it's there's just some no, lift to it. It feels like he's hamming up the New York Jewish kind yeah. of tone of the way he's speaking and acting and everything yeah there's something to it that's just a little more than that and it it really does give that character this like transcendent personality we feel like if you met him on the street he would be his he would be howie yeah Yeah. it wouldn't be adam sandler if you know what i mean like he feels like a character that that just exists in the world yeah 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 yeah. really impressive i think that comes back to um the way the safties like to make their films um just like Good Time um, and the film that they did before that, which was called Heaven Knows What. That's right. Um, they tend to try really hard to source characters and actors from the area that they've based the movie yeah, in. Yeah, we listened to an interview. Uh, I think all of us have listened to it um, with the Safety brothers on another podcast, yeah. Chapo Trap House, and they talk about really needing to get those naturalistic characters. They get people... They often work with first-time actors yeah. um, that are just sort of people that are so interesting or that embody the qualities of the character that they want. Yeah. I feel like a couple of the guys that played uh, mafiosi-type dudes or like diamond seller-type dudes in this movie were first-time actors that really were diamond sellers No, no, they, they, they... Yeah, they literally went around um, different parts of New York trying to recruit like dudes from... like. Jewelers, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like real jewelers. So they had people auditioning for the parts. And um, there was, this, I think they kind of created a weird sort of rift in the New York jeweler community <laughs> because you had like a lot of rich um, jewelers who were gunning for the part. And they ultimately gave it, gave a couple of the parts to like some. Some weird dude. <laughs> well, yeah, like, yeah. And they, they are kind of weird dudes. When yeah, you, they're when all you, so And weird. you can, they fucking stick out like sore thumbs when you see them on screen as well, yeah. which is like pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think the way that they imbue this sense of like naturalism into their films. Um, yeah, about how the people that grew up in the places where they're yeah, doing the films and that. Yeah. I think it kind of heightens the reality a bit and it makes yeah. it kind of makes the stakes a little more real to the audience. So you're talking about Sandler's performance. Do you, How do you feel oh, like those so, two things link in? Um, so I think uh, Sandler had to act opposite a lot of these first-time actors and a lot of these like real personalities that were literally living in the the universe that this um oh they've got like an nba player as well yeah that's like acting yeah, yeah. as himself in the movie yeah so there's a really interesting story behind that too but i think sandler had to make his character fit into that universe and because he was so clearly in it and because the safties did such a good job creating that and maintaining that for like just the entire filming process yeah. i think he had a really good environment to build this character and, and make this character what it came to be yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I think that the film feels really real yeah but something about the screwball way that it's this crazy roller coaster ride makes it feel a little bit like you said a bit heightened as well and a, yeah. bit, a bit larger than life it almost reminds me the more I think about it of a Coen Brothers movie in yeah. a way like Adam Adam Sandler's character specifically is such like almost a caricature of what you would expect that character to, character to be. It almost reminds me of that Fargo. Jesus. Yeah, you could. It almost yeah. reminds yeah. me of one of those characters or like that Jesus Quintana character that's on screen for like two minutes and you're like, I want to see more of that fucking guy. Well, well that's the thing yeah. as well. I, I think and like that's crazy I think that there's like, a whole movie about this dude. That's a bit of a um, Coen Brothers homage, I think, because they, Coen Brothers definitely have 
like in so many of their films, just entire scenes dedicated to some fucking nut job. Yeah. <laughs> <that you> t- <laughs> it's just sort of in the story incidentally. Yeah. And yeah. then it's just like really striking and like you just love it and you want to yeah. see more of that person. But the yeah. whole, you know. Yeah. And also the Coen brothers are famous for hilarious movies where shit just constantly goes wrong the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And this is like a modern day version of that. It's great. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think the Coen brothers is a, a, a really good um, contrast to the Safdie brothers. But I think, the the really interesting thing is uh, how how their films differ and how their styles differ because I think that says a lot about I think the Safdie brothers are probably so, probably some of the most important filmmakers working right now yep. just in terms of like really evoking what it means to live in America in the Trump era. Okay. Um, oh, I don't know. What do you what do you think? Of I, that? I'd, I'd never even thought about it. I suppose it's good. It, it's like it seems like good time. Definitely depicts like the struggle of the working class or the struggle the struggle of like people who are on the the lower rungs oh, of I, I'm, socioeconomic I'm not even really talking about class necessarily because it's just like especially I guess good time and uncut gems uh, these two films are just entirely about grifters and people who yeah. just the grift, the just of the grift. lie and cheat and lie and cheat over and over and over until again until it pays yeah. off one time yeah. big enough for none of the rest of it to have mattered. Yeah. That's the point. Is yeah. if you just they just it, keep it only trying has and waiting for that one time once. Yeah. yeah. And then you've gotten away with every time before that as well as this one time. I, yeah. I suppose I'd never thought about it in relation to like I know that this podcast you two listen to this Chapo Trap House, they <laughs> love to relate everything back to Trump. But like well, um, I suppose I'd never thought about it in that regard because there's always something fucked going on politically. I suppose that's what you mean. Like there's something fucked going on politically in America all the time and this mood well, that's created by Trump is the new mood, but there was a mood under Bush and there was a mood under Obama and I think I think that just the difference and and the reason I guess I, I look at you know the work of the Safdie brothers and especially this film as being like really prescient. Um, like is, I've only seen two of their movies though as yeah, well, so I yeah, feel like yeah. I don't know that much a bit to, to know to be able to say like oh they're the most important fucking. I, I just think it kind of just fits for me in terms of like their their interpretation, the way they like to tell stories and, okay. and the sort of things that they look at in their stories, um, sort of crosses over with a lot of what's happening in a lot of like uh the the dominant sort of <laughs> i don't want to use paradigm do but it do it <laughs> do it what is that paradigm what is that what is that like for me uh, cultural I, touchstone at the moment that they're trying to capture then can i jump in yeah, unless yeah, you've yeah. got a great answer no, 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 straight away go. okay cool um see what you think of this for me it's about there's a certain type of person that has made themselves where they are by projecting that that is who they are and there is no substance to yeah. it. Yeah. Right? That's kind of the grift is that they they just sort of say and act like this thing enough mm. that everyone just sort of sees them as that thing. Yeah, regardless. right. No, I see, I see what you're saying there. That, and that relates to the fake news bullshit and that relates to Trump just saying, well, people like, say this and all that Trump stuff. Trump being a businessman that has that is built on an empire of fucking people over yeah. and just not paying them and making their life so hard that it's not worth it to try and... Um, get their value for their labor. Yeah, and no, I'm with you. I agree. lying sure. about his net worth, right? And how he's kind of process and how he navigates the world is sort of a similar thing in that he projects this 
uh, persona upon everyone that he meets. Yeah. And he has to look... Yeah, exactly. You know, he wears expensive stuff all the time. He drives a Mercedes. He has this jewelry shop where he... And bring, he's saying, he's like, I'm shit broke, time. I'm broke. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, like, it's all built, like you say, as a house of cards where only one thing needs to fall out and it's all going down. And, like... R- stuff might be fake and yeah. or it might be worth a lot less than you think but it doesn't matter because it looks convincing and you only have to meet him once i think yeah know? maybe maybe that's that's something that's that was really striking to me about this film as well was like the concept of overvaluing yes yeah, um, yeah just yeah. constantly like it, i mean the whole role of howie in this film is to like constantly just assess the value of things and then immediately inflate it and try to sell, try and right. sell and it to how, someone else. How can yeah. I immediately turn this into profit? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, I, I think it's pretty fucking culturally relevant right now. Yeah. But, um, sure. That is literally the role of every business, though. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose like, I, he's yeah. doing it dodgily and but, buying this fucking blood diamond, yeah. blood I think he's thing. representing the... Like, the dodgy dark... Like, yeah. the persona of the business. I suppose that, that mindset, you know? I think. And, like, taking that mindset to it's just... F- Frankly, ridiculous. Most honest. I, I suppose yeah. they yeah. bring that really Extreme. interesting ethical argument into it, where they show you like how immorally this di- this I keep saying diamond, how immorally this opal was obtained yeah. by these like these miners in uh, Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, I think it is Some, yeah. somewhere in Africa. I think that sounds right, but I don't know. somewhere in Africa where this opal yeah. comes from, where it's like these miners that are being paid next to nothing and are risking their life to get this yeah. crap under terrible working conditions. And mm. he goes and sells it for like a million dollars. I, I so really like, like that beat, how it just opened with that scene. That was I so that was fucking really sick. cool. And how like you're immediately introduced to like the bloodshed that these things will yeah. create. And but but also the, how... I like, suppose I agree how, with you then. That is the whole point of the business side. It opens on a brutal injury of a mine worker um, followed by a crowd gathering that obviously can't do anything to help this man. And so two people, two pragmatists go, well, while everyone's distracted, we saw this thing down one of the mines. Oh, I didn't even realize let's that. Go and, yeah, let's right. go and extricate that without anyone knowing so that we don't have to follow the normal process of like giving it to the yeah. you know, like process of the mine. So they go and they extract this black opal and then sell it on the black market. Uh, and that's how, how he gets the, yeah, the opal, right. right? And so it's it's even people, it's, it immediately starts by like people grifting the processes of capitalism that they're yeah. kind of locked in. Yeah. Um, even in a completely different context to the one that Howie's doing. I suppose right? I see what you mean by him sort of like taking advantage of it, inflating it and undercutting like normal social morals and things yeah. to sort of and you sort benefit of, himself. I don't know. There's this undercurrent of like, well, you can't blame him because it's 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 working. Like he doesn't... Yeah. Well, I mean, no, so yeah, I think that was the thing that I, I thought... That's kind of the thing that I really enjoyed about this film was like you... This guy's such a piece of shit. What he's doing is like terrible he's pushing away everyone he loves he's manipulating everyone and you still root for him and like right and like the What's ultimate so compelling about that character yeah, it's, yeah it's and such like great the, writing the the, the ultimate yeah. like uh the pivotal point in the movie like right at the very end <laughs> I, I guess i don't want to spoil no spoilers yet. but yeah um just kind of cements that like this film is about just trying and striving as hard as you can to try and get to the place that you want to be. And like, yeah. ultimately that's a very human story is that you just want to try and get there somehow. You just want to way. succeed. Just yeah. want to succeed any way you can. Yeah. And that like, it's ultimately like a story of survival, albeit in like a very hyper modern context where you've literally st- st- like 
trampling everyone else to get there. Right. It's crazy right. how much of a piece of shit Adam Sandler is. So the fact that you still root for him as an audience member, yeah. watching him like like he's he's minding his mates like. Uh, Rolexes and gems and stuff in his safe, and then he goes and just pawns those to get more money. Yeah. And like, it's it's insane that you watch him like fuck over all these I people. Think his that you intentions still love him. are good, right? Like, he's, I don't think he, they are. he doesn't care. He's so selfish. I think like, he I think he does care, but he he can't let himself care enough to not do it. No, yeah. I, I think, uh, and he is he is an addict, and that's yeah, a, that's another yeah, thing yeah. as well. Is like yeah. it is a portrait of addiction. It is, especially um, gambling. Yeah, yeah, and you can kind of sense that like the actions that his character sort of goes through in this film aren't completely under his own control. We're not really rational. Yeah. Yeah. He just can't (laughs) help it fucking like as soon as he gets any sum of money, just like, Oh, I'm going to go and put money on, yeah. <laughs> on the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think uh, part of the reason why, I don't know, I'm keen to hear what you guys think about this, but part of the reason why for me, I found it, I found his character so agreeable is that he's in, he's in amongst his own kind. So it's not, you, you have all of a sudden this like heavy relativism where every other person around him is also trying to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, so he doesn't look as bad. If he doesn't yeah. do it, someone else is going to do it. Right. That's so what- it's like, well, you, how much can you hold it against him when he's, if it's like, people trying to climb a pile of bodies to the yeah. top where every other body is trying to climb as well. I, it's like, if you don't do better than someone, someone else is going to do better than you and you're going to get left behind. I so. liked that they kept it grounded by having the character of like his wife and kid being in the movie and having a few scenes mm, where... A few family scenes. Yeah, a few yep. scenes where there's... Yeah, and there's, there's a few family scenes with this... um The Passover scene. Oh, no, where there's, there's a lot Bogosian. of Yeah, there's a lot of them being like, no, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. Where it sort of grounds it a bit. You're like, oh no, this is this is fucking lunacy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's yeah. happening here is insane. And his the 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 level of bullshit that his wife has clearly had to put <laughs> up with for like their entire married uh, life. That, that that scene where she just breaks it off with him yeah. is like <laughs> yeah. so fucking funny. Yeah, it's funny and uh, like when he was he was trying to be as. Ernest, I think that was like one of the strongest points of his performance where he's basically like, look in my eyes, look into my eyes, look at me, just look at me. And he, you know, he expects it to do something and it just doesn't work. Yeah. I I love that he has work. I love that he can at least give it a shot with all his crazy harebrained schemes. But when he's just like to his wife, like, please look at me. He can't even get started on trying to get the grift on his wife. He truly (laughs) believes that it will work. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love so much that he truly believes that he can do something right and that she will immediately forgive him and just understand his perspective yeah. and it will fix it and there's just no world where that happens I think that's like so he's yeah. just deluded about he's it. kind of a case study in chaotic optimism yeah, yeah. yes just, there is such an optimism to yeah, this yeah but like to the extent that you, j- it's like just damaging to you and everyone around yeah. you yeah I feel like that's what the one oh tricks point never yeah 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 that point yeah, was making is yeah. he's got this like he feels like if he can just scratch away at something enough <laughs> he'll discover this way to yeah. get ahead in the world world <laughs> and he's it, it's like this constant journey to figure out how, uh, to, to uncover the magic you know he's looking for like he's looking for magical powers and he feels yeah. like he's on the verge the entire time and yeah. i think that's when he's talking about like he's talking to garnet and he's like you can feel it too right like you understand yeah. you're you're like me yeah um and he's talking about this sort of ethereal sensation that (laughs) that things will work out and you're just like god i don't i I don't know how to pass this in my brain i've like definitely 
sort of skirted around manic episodes in my life yeah. and like <laughs> yeah. I've you, you kind of get to a, a point where you're just like oh I, I see beneath the reality of everything <laughs> yeah I can see the the unspoken logic that connects <laughs> yeah. every single living being <laughs> yeah. on this yeah. earth yeah. and I know what's gonna happen fuck yeah. I would love a spin-off <laughs> I would love a spin-off movie for this which is just his wife's perspective where <laughs> how he just disappears for three days and rocks up with like a fish full of opals and then disappears <laughs> yeah. for another three days and rocks up like naked in the boot of her car and like <laughs> God, just, yeah, again, she's it's just like, like taking the kids journey. to school and going to work and dealing with the family and like how he rocks up like coked out of his mind. Or, like, He's kind of like evil Homer Simpson. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so there's there's just like uh, one or two one or two things I want to. Um, that's so funny. Bring up. Uh, so in this movie, there are a couple of scenes that I feel like the way that they're constructed it makes it feel like you're watching a viral video. Yeah. Like yes, a viral video yeah. of like a fight on the yeah. street. <laughs> so there's like, there's two, which I, I just want to play the audio for the listeners, but I want to show you guys. Yeah, um, sure, shoot. So this first one is a guy getting thrown into a fountain by his limo driver. <laughs> and there's which literally a scene in... Basically yeah, happens in... Which yeah. basically yeah. fucking happens in Uncut Jams. Holy shit, he fucking <laughs> threw that dude. Whoa, whoa, like over a fence. This this limo drive is huge. Damn. This, yeah. Hell yeah. And the way That's that my he life just, ambition now. The way so, that he just like embarrassedly picks himself out of the fountain is like yeah. the absolute energy he that throws how in he like embodies in this. A solid like it's six like feet. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. like pushing him. He throws Looks him like he's on wires. Into the air. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Like over a fence and into a into a fountain. Fire. Yeah. So uh, there's another one that I fucking can't remember now. But um, oh, it's right. We got mileage out of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that scene and the one where he's arguing with his girlfriend after that scene with the weekend, and he's like trying to get in the cab. Oh and she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like another viral Is it video. The that New York could- musician that they talked about on Chapo, that guy that yells oh, yeah. at the tiny little dude. That's Sorry, like, we just oh, went over yeah. that. The that- weekend is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The weekend plays himself the musician in this the movie weekend, yeah. Yeah. as the musician. The weekend, but it's it's also based in 2012, so it's it's kind of him pre like absolutely yeah. blowing up. Yeah. yeah. It's just playing clubs and stuff. This movie's so yeah. fucking weird. I loved it. I um something we didn't talk about is the basketball nature of this movie very much. So this NBA player is in it and he gets entranced by this opal and yeah. thinks it's his good luck charm. Kevin Garner, yeah. And so the film takes place around a sequence of three NBA games that really happened in real life. It's one of the Kenneth reasons Garnett why played them. Kevin Garnett was three or four, right? I think it was four. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It's, but it, it's one of the reasons why he is the character in the film is because yeah. they needed basketball f- real NBA yeah. footage that they could use and so they needed the right moments to have happened and, and the, the yeah, right and they, scores well to they, be the they case. literally needed a sequence f- from a player that went good good bad good yeah it's like Kevin, Gun- yeah. Kevin yeah. Garnett had two good games and then yeah. Kevin Garnett had a bad game and then he had a great one yeah, yeah. And, and, and so then this movie constructs the events the fictional event it's like loosely based on something right but this mm. movie basically constructs fictional events that around might have happened these around real those, NBA yeah, games series that games. caused Kevin Garnett to get thrown and have this bad game and then a great one. Yep. And in the meantime, Adam Sandler is placing all these bets on all these different NBA games as they're happening. It's so weird. I love yeah. it. And it's, apparently, it's a, I don't know how the fuck. I really wish that I could be inside each Safdie brother's brain 
to just see how they came up with this shit, man. Like, yeah. they must just be so in this world. I don't know how... Because this film took them, like, 10 years to make. Yeah, oh, they, they pitched it to Sandler in, like, 2012, didn't they? Uh, something like that. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah, but they started writing earlier than that. They wrote it for Sandman, and then they, they couldn't... <laughs> um, couldn't just couldn't, couldn't work it in, out yeah. and it took ages but i i just don't know how you it seems so authentic there's such an authenticity ironically yeah. compared to all of the sham shit that goes on in this movie <laughs> yeah there's such an authenticity to the storytelling same with good time where yeah. you're right it does have that like elevated absurdity to it but it fe- you you don't feel that at all until you really look closely yeah um, i think yeah and that's I'm that's what's really about how they write it that's what's really fascinating as well. I think sometimes you meet people and you kind of get sucked into their world for a little bit and mm. their way of living is just so radically different to yours and you come out of it and you're like, fuck, dude. You, like, how do you live like how that? How do you live like this? Yeah. <laughs> and like some people just have lives like fucking Howie and Uncut Jim. Yeah, yeah. That's how some people live like their day lives. day to day, every day is just 20 chaos. problems that yeah. you need to fix. <laughs> and, yeah. and the Safties have like rightly sort of noticed that that people live their lives like that and yeah. constructed a film around and it. And it's so much script around fun it. to watch yeah. and it's so stressful and it's so tense in the best possible way. I feel yeah. way more tense in this than I did in 1917. Really? Oh, yeah. Way more tense. Oh. Yeah, yeah, me too. I feel like on a more personal yeah, level. Yeah, it was so much more so, relatable. It's so frustrating because the whole time you're like, oh, what the fuck, dude? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. And then like it'll start to go right. You're like, oh, hell yeah. No, he always, I always said you should have put that money down, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You I better always had you back, Howie. It's so, like the third time. I never time doubted he, you for a second. The third yeah. time he gets <laughs> a big fat stack of cash and takes it straight to the bookies. You're like, fuck yeah, we're going to win big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling it, Howie. I'm feeling yeah. it. <laughs> That's it, brother. Yeah. Uh, well, there are other little things Fuck. about the logistics of how they made this movie. Like, apparently they went through trying to get all sorts of different NBA stars because they needed a run of games, like you said, where it went like good, good, bad, yeah, good. Yeah, they, they originally tried to get, had like, someone totally different like lined Michael up. Jo- it wasn't Michael Jordan, but no, it was, all it was sorts someone of, else. Oh, no, yeah. it was Kobe. They, they, Kobe they, Bryant. They tried to get Kobe, yeah. yeah. R.I.P. And there was some other guy where... Um, <laughs> there was some other guy where um, back in 2012, this basketballer had dreads or something or he was bald yeah. and he had since grown dreads and, and he, he literally like, would not shave yeah, them off yeah I'll be in the movie but I don't want to shave my dreads and they were like right well then you, you can't you be can't in the movie, be in the movie. Yeah. you have to play you without dreads yeah. you see why this is a problem yeah <laughs> yeah and like so part of the the reason why like that sounds like it's like oh what a funny coincidence but w- what I think is hard unless you've heard the Safety brothers talk about it to understand is you're taking a massive risk because he is a major character in this film. Yeah, he, so if this dude can't act, the movie doesn't work. It without, just doesn't work. Well, it just there falls are so apart. Many key emotional scenes where I suppose we can get more into spoilers now. Um, sure. Okay, this is a spoiler. We've well, talked about it for ages. But the spoiler scene where the, scene, the main one that they talked about was the scene where he sees the opal. They said he has to. You have to believe that it's magic that or he some shit. Sees something in it. Yeah. That is n- incomprehensible to us. Yeah. You know, you have to believe that he feels this energy from this thing yeah. which is like not an easy thing to ask someone to do if they have no acting experience and then and when he's thrown and when he's thrown it. and feels shit without the opal and then when right. he feels yeah, great yeah, again yeah. and he comes yeah. in and he's properly angry you feel like he's pissed yeah really yeah. really great he, he's really good and you're right the whole movie hinges on his performance and if they'd lined everything else up and they get this fucking guy here on they day one they just can't fucking act my god that one fucking scene where Kevin comes back with the, the opal and like Adam Sandler's like needed how he's needed the opal for like the last 20 minutes yeah <laughs> and then they can't get the door to the jewelry <laughs> <open>. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
And like pouring metal filings in the How infuriating it is that like the way that they linger on every single shot. Like a dude goes to get a chisel and come back, and you watch him do it the whole time. You're like, oh my god, just just get the fucking chisel. And then literally, there's always six people talking. In like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. The overlapping dialogue as well is great. But um, yeah, listener, I imagine you're experiencing something fairly similar right now. Um, but literally, we're in spoiler territory. But that yeah, yeah, spoilers. This really are spoilers. Go and watch Fuck this fucking movie. This is really good. The See pivotal point of the film where uh, the three mobsters are like going out of going out of his like jewel shop, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and they're in that little. Like the glass box, the glass yeah. box, and I'm like, oh, imagine if that fucking yeah. doesn't, the, the doesn't, lock, the lock yeah. doesn't work. The, jewel, yeah. the jewelry shop has an airlock system because he doesn't want to be able so to run out run with out. his diamonds. So you yeah. have to be buzzed to get in the first door. Both doors have to shut. Then you have to be buzzed to get into the main door to get into the yeah. shop. And so it's happened twice where they get stuck in characters get stuck in this airlock because neither door will open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, just, yeah. I, I remember, like, so watching that and just being like, that's going to fucking happen, and it did. Yeah. It was so satisfying. <laughs> it was so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not really planned it. No. But you can sort of see the cog starting to turn, like, and then I it just bet. sort of happens. Like, Sorry, fellas. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Actually... Here we go. This is my, <laughs> yeah. this is my moment. Yeah. Now. The, yeah. The first time that the opal's stuck in this airlock and he can't get it out, and the second time these mafiosi dudes that are trying to fucking like rob him or kill him or whatever that get stuck in there, and he's like, "I'm happy that he been stuck in there." Fuck yeah. it. The way that he talks when he's like, "Um, the guy pulls out the gun and he's like, mate, I'd duck if I were you. You're gonna die.'" <laughs> <laughs> the glass is bulletproof as hell. It's very funny. It's great. Also, he's so we're, funny, man. If we're straight in spoilers, so that the final scene is Adam Sandler has managed to get all the money from the, the bet. Pole. This m- massive, ridiculous fucking bet pays off. Big time. Yeah. So he's so he's bet also he's bet on all sorts of stupid shit. And I don't understand gambling enough, but it's like he bet he's, on like you, you only get the payout if all five things happen. Yeah, and basically. one of them is like, oh, Kevin Garnett wins the toss. He scores twenty seven or more points this game. Or all something sorts like of that. stupid shit. Yeah. Like he gets oh, the Kevin first Garnett touch on wears the ball. green socks. He gets the yeah. first. Yeah, it's shit, only like, the pathologically where... gambling obsessed. <laughs> yeah, right. There's this moment where like in that game, the big one at the end. Garnet like does manage that first touch on the ball and <laughs> how he's like fuck yes we would have been fucked if that didn't happen <laughs> yeah, the whole bets, thing would have been he fucked. bets 160 dollars on the random chance that Kevin Garnet can touch the ball first because he's got the magic opal yeah but it's but oh, it's God way more dear. than that because as you say all of the parts need to align but yeah. you sort of He's speaking about it so fast and he's telling Julia Fox to go and bet all the shit so fast that you're not really keep able to keep up with what he actually wants her to bet. And then half of it is like, it's on the envelope, just make sure it's exactly right. Yeah. And then, yeah, one of them is like, oh, if he doesn't touch the ball first, like, it's all over. It's just <laughs> yeah, like the whole yeah. thing's fucked. You, you just would have watched him. Wait, what? Yeah. You don't have time to <laughs> process that, like, something just went right that if it went wrong... The whole thing was fucked. And you can almost see the dudes that are trapped in the airlock, these mafia guys that are just trying to get in to get their money off him. Yeah. And they only get them they only get their money if this bet pays off. And so they're watching Adam Sandler watch the basketball game, be like, fuck yeah, did you guys see that? We would have been fucked. And when he goes like, Oh, if this first touch happened to happen, nothing would have happened, you could almost see them go like, Wait, pr- what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're like they don't they're like 
they, they know that they should be relieved, but they're too confused <laughs> to be relieved. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking so funny. Oh, um, man. And watching those three dudes slowly get hotter and hotter and more exhausted <laughs> yeah. and just, and just sit on the floor in this airlock and they're locked in. Wet. So just funny. Three very wet, angry Three men. wet boys. Yeah, three big <laughs> wet boys. Got our episode title. Shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so do you want to talk about the ending? Yeah, let's do it. Patty, so I want you to talk about the ending. Uh, how he gets fucking domed. He does. Fuck so yeah, he did does. you see it coming? Uh, yes. Yeah. I fucking. <laughs> I didn't at all. I did not at so all. So it's like no, because uh, yeah, I, I just I could feel it coming. I, I you know this film is kind of a tragedy. It's kind of a slow moving right. train wreck. He hasn't won the whole time. Right as the final buzzer goes, and he's celebrating that he's just won his one and a half million dollars. Yeah. He lets these mob guys out of a little airlock. To be like, yeah, guys, I'm gonna be able to pay you back, and they yeah. just grab out a gun and shoot him right. Well, there. yeah, but uh, the guy who he actually owes money to is isn't, the guy gonna, that- isn't gonna do that. Right, it's one of his goons that sort of goes rogue. Yeah, and so I thought that's it was the guy. he's so pissed off. I thought no. it was the guy he owes no, money it's to. One of no, his, no. It's, it's his goon, and that's he gets shot as well. The guy he owes money to gets killed too. He, that's yeah, the second by the, guy by he the angry in the goon. By the angry yeah, right. goon. But the the thing that I love it's about so that moment, about it, it's like that dude is a little peon, and he just like fucking re- has it, stakes his own rebellion against the whole thing. The thing that I love about that moment is that Adam Sandler's like celebrating. He lets him out of the the little airlock, and like he's saying, "We did it! We did!" It. He's got his arms up in the air and just gets fucking shot in the head. Like he's so happy. It looks like he's almost going and for a hug. Yeah, yeah, literally. And it's like that's how I want to die. I want to die with my brain just furiously releasing dopamine. <laughs> yeah. Like he's on, he, top of the he's, world. he's on yeah. top of the world. He gets killed at the moment he's experiencing he the wins. most yeah. joy. He wins. <laughs> yeah. He oh, wins. It's, it's a happy ending for him. Oh, it's such yeah. a bummer. I loved <laughs> it. It's so but it's God one of the damn. most melancholy endings I think I've ever felt because it, you're right. It is so it's, so it's such a tragedy because he doesn't get to reap the, the benefits, w- of the benefits of his it labor. It never would have been enough for him though. Right, but exactly, and you can yeah. tell, and and sort of like. He went out on such a high yeah. that it's like, well, I don't know. It's more about I, the high for him than anything. And that was probably the biggest high that he was he's ever going to fucking yeah, experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like not a good lesson to learn. Well, it's, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. it sort of, again, comes back to uh, this film and it's kind of statement on like hedonism and, and throwaway mm. culture and stuff like that. And the fact that, you know, everything is a commodity and, and all we want to do is consume as like, people in in this you know economic system and society uh and sometimes you know you're you're a little cog in a wheel you're a little rat on a treadmill and that's all you're ever going to fucking experience and you might as well enjoy it i'll tell you what i'm with it i thought i would require a great deal of convincing but you've convinced me easily now this is this film is definitely a product of the times in which it was made do you (laughs) you agree (laughs) yeah yeah i I thought this is going to be a lot of bullshit about trump and shit but no 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 no, i agree i think they're really i feel like they're tapping into an energy like it's and it's not something i think that that's the thing that is it's so hard to do political satire and a a big grand sweeping statement on things as they are right now Mm. because everyone wants to do that everyone has a platform to do that and it just doesn't like it doesn't Mm. hit as hard because you can say like oh everyone's on their phones nowadays yeah and everyone fucking knows that yeah Yeah. i was i was lucky enough to do a couple film studies and like literature studies courses as part of the german stuff i did at uni where we learned no but it was it was interesting (laughs) because we all did film studies i didn't didn't remember i didn't remember much about it because i mostly just did it to learn the language but it was interesting because um 
in this course, we had this lady teaching it who was like a, an expert on German post-war literature. And she broke down like how genres of German literature changed over time. She was yeah. like, here's the tones of what they were writing in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and every single decade. Mm. And she was kind of talking about how like even if people weren't directly writing about it, like right after the war, it was such a huge experience that most literature didn't directly reference it. Mm. And then after in the 60s when students started... I suppose the point I was trying to make is like you can sort of definitely draw similarities between art that's produced in the same period of time. And it's like even if someone's not directly producing the movie as a political satire, yeah. you can be like, yeah, but the points they're making and the, the headspace that they're in is a product of 2020 well, and the headspace that the whole of society is in at that time. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I find really uh Interesting, really interesting. And, interesting and fascinating about like looking at a film that was made in the 60s, like maybe even like a couple of years after the Bay of Pigs fiasco or whatever, yeah. and seeing how it's indirectly affected by that very specific moment. Yeah. And you can read a lot into the text and whatever. But I think there is like a, there is an energy in like the air of that cultural context and that period that does rub off on like a cultural artifact yeah, like sure. that. And I think that, yeah, Uncut Gems is just like the right film in the right place. And I think it's going to, I think it's resonating with most people to watch it. Yeah. It's got a Metacritic of 90. I don't think it's making a very specific political point. No. I think it's no. just, I, I agree with you though. It's a, it's a product of the times that we're in. Yeah. In it's just this way. perfect distillation and, and crossroads of like so many different cultural moments yeah and it I just agree gets so much right and it's really fucking interesting because I feel like someone like okay so someone that's, that is trying to make a bigger director that's trying to make a political statement I'm gonna say Adam McKay now I like Adam McKay's films yeah. right but he, so he did Vice recently right it's too didactic yeah and he tries to abstract the scale of the impact of his actions or the impact of the problem that he's talking about yeah. so much that you he wants to give you the entire picture like in a it's film. like oh this one thing that Al Dick Cheney did impacted the world in these thing. ways yeah. it's, it's how Dick Cheney is one of the it's how like Dick Cheney is is a cog in this machine he's a big important cog but he's a cog nonetheless and, and Adam McKay wants to show you the whole machine yeah right but the Safety brothers go the exact opposite way they're like nah you, you're gonna get this cog but by the end of this movie you're gonna understand every single part of this cog and that sort of makes you understand why it fits into the machine yeah. that it does yeah. yeah they really like drill down the scope and they give you one character and they give you every the, the, through the characters' motivations and the characters' pathos and their actions and the way that they talk, mannerisms and that type of shit, and their lived experience and like this, they don't they don't do a lot of from my experience two films. <laughs> they take place almost in real time, right? So they don't try to show you like this person's life trajectory. You don't get a lot of growth as well, though. Is yeah, the exactly. thing, yeah. <laughs> but they just show you like the pure reactive nature of this character within this period of time, and what they're reacting to is that greater machine. And yeah. so you kind of have to fill in the gaps for yourself. But uh, like, you know, like you get the a bit example that I give is like time. how he wouldn't give a fuck about stuff so much if stuff wasn't so important in the greater society that he lived in, yeah. right? So it's kind of like you're right. He is a product. Of the society, like the film is a product of, of the context that it's made in. He is a product of the world that he exists in. Yeah. And so, you're given all of this information about the world that created this person because he's not uh, aberrant. He is... He fits with the world. Yeah. I think it's so interesting to look at shit like this 50 years in the future. Like, look at oh, something yeah. 50 years ago and look at like, oh, just see the way in which this character is depicted here. This is because in, the, in that time, people thought this kind of thing and this mm. is common knowledge. Like, even if you just look at 
the fact that like one of the most popular pieces of maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but like a really popular piece of entertainment about war. You can get like Hogan's Heroes in like the yeah. 50s and the 60s. And then you get like huge touchstones of films about war later on that's like Apocalypse Now mm. when you get the Vietnam, after the Vietnam War, where you go like, how fucked up was that? Well, I feel like. Where so it's more jocular with Hogan's Heroes, wacky, goofy shit. We're kind of spiraling out a bit. But, no, um, that's good. I think that's kind of really fascinating what you bring up about war films because um, I think you had a, a lot more living veterans, you know, in previous decades and whatever. Yep. And I think a lot of them didn't want to see gratuitous displays of World War II. Like you couldn't have made Inglorious Bastards, a, a, like a film with the budget of Inglorious Bastards, Inglorious Bastards in the seventies. You couldn't have made, yeah, because it couldn't have said what it would you. have. Inf- it would have offended people. Who, it would have gone against the sensibilities of the time and stuff like that. Right. In the same way that, like, I think veterans would have looked at a film like. Uh, Saving Private Ryan in like the sixties. If you made Saving Private Ryan in the sixties, like it would have been too much for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think war is one of the main uh, exemplars of the thing that we're talking about, where you sort of see its effect without necessarily having it to be yeah. having it be directly referenced. It can be indirectly extremely pervasive. God, I would love it if we just talked about the concept of war for the next like three hours. Well, I just think the way that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you. Uh, the way that audiences and filmmakers look at war, the further away we get, uh, get right. we get from those wars, or just like any, any historical event as well, though. Any historical event, but I think wars in particular, obviously, wars stick in people's minds a lot, and there are a lot of films and stuff made around about war. Yeah, you got like a film like Jojo Rabbit. I wonder, like. Whether that could have been yeah, made, what the like, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like right, yeah, whether that could have yeah, been made twenty yeah, years you ago. You know, same example. Like, you couldn't have made that. I don't think you no. could have made that in the seventies. I think no. people would have been like, "You can't fucking make a jovial comedy about Nazism." What are you talking about? I, I, I think it's really interesting. And maybe I should try and track down like more journal articles and things so people analyze shit like eh. this. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, and it's hard to get it dry, but like I think it's interesting looking at shit like this and then like analyzing it from a, a sociological perspective like that. And yeah. being like that the opinions and the views and even just the shit you wouldn't even think about is all present for these very specific historical reasons. Well I think yeah again, uh circling back to Uncut Gems, I think you, you, if someone in 10 years, it's going to look back at Uncut Gems and they're going to draw a couple of lines into yeah. political context and whatever else, like economic circumstance of yeah. Yeah. audiences and stuff like that. just makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, it's, I think it's the right film at the right time. I also think um, in terms of... Because I guess you're probably going to count Uncut Gems as being part of the 2010s, even though it's technically 2020, right? Like. It's it's an end result of a yeah yeah. sure oh right yeah yeah yeah, I think that and the Florida Project are the two big films for me. I still haven't seen Um, that. They're the two big films of the decade that I think. Is that really Defoe film? Yeah yeah yeah. That sort of hammer home what it meant to live in this in this uh, era. I'll have to go watch it. Yeah, I would highly recommend people check out uh, the Florida Project. I think it's a really important film. Are there any Australian filmmakers that are doing that type of thing? Uh, like incisive stuff. I thought I actually thought Snowtown, Justin Kurtzel's Snowtown, okay. 2011, um, was a really incisive look into because it's it's a film about a serial killer. Like it's a thriller. It's it's a horrible film. It's probably I'm probably never gonna watch it again. It's very yeah. violent. And that, um, but at the same time, it hammers home like Australia's economic circumstances, especially in like like the 1980s and 90s. Like mm. you can see in the background, like. 
the effects that like whatever fucking neoliberal policies have resulted in people living in such squalid conditions and like dismembering kangaroos in their backyard and torturing people. Right. Like you, and you then can a child see, goes up in that. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah, I would probably say maybe Snowtown. That Lantana film I talked about a little oh, while really ago was really that. good. That's like yeah. a, it's almost like a slice of life suburban kind of kind of film. It's set in the modern day when it came out, and it's. I think I talked about it. It's it's almost like a, a dr- it's a dramatic love actually, but not really. But it's a lot about different couples and interpersonal relationships. Fuck but love, actually. None of them are funny. It's it's a dramatic like six different storylines that all come together and it's all about like Australians living their lives yeah. in the suburbs. And, it, right. and there's this there's this weird murder shit that happens. But like mostly it's really interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, sorry. I mean mostly mostly it conforms with that like really interesting look at like what society was like at that kind of that kind of time when you can sort of draw more parallels from it that smarter men than I would be able to do there's a murder in it but apart from that it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I meant I suppose I meant like normal run of the mill murder I suppose I meant like or the movie's really like it shows you a dead body at the start of the movie and the movie's really like Leading up to like, yeah, but where the fuck does the dead body come and did yeah, all this yeah, bullshit right, about right. life and love in the suburbs? Oh damn, I gotta watch I just, it. It's I good. don't feel like because the, the Safdie brothers is so. I, I am. I, I was saying this to my partner immediately after I watched it because I felt like I just <laughs> needed to talk to someone about it. And she was like, "I haven't seen it." I'm like, "I know. I just need to talk at you." <laughs> yeah. Just, just don't. You don't have to listen. Put in earbuds. Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. yeah just but talk. I just need to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once again, um, as long as you hit download, we don't care. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like my brain doesn't know how to process. A Safety Brothers film entirely. It's like I need to watch it again. I feel yeah, and I, it's just it's so different. It's got such a different tonal sensation, such a different message, and such a different structure to all of the rest of the films that I watch. That I almost don't know how to. You know, when you see a film and you're like, oh god, I know I really liked that, but I don't understand it just yet. Yeah, you know, I feel yeah. like I need to watch it again, and then I'll, I'll and then I'll kind of. Well, yeah, and I think that's it. that's like. What I find kind of not very gratifying about it's like probably while only ever watch a Marvel film once. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like a pure sensory experience and that's it. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing um, more to understand. It's like some kind of roller coaster. Some yeah. kind of <laughs> again, that's that's like why I have seen the Big Lebowski so many times. Right. That's a great movie. I can't believe you haven't seen because it. Because there so are good. like you can you can deconstruct the Big Lebowski um, and look at it as like the dude is like a Buddha going through <laughs> society and he is butting up against all of these different conflicting worldviews, whether it right. be like Judaism or like Christianity or conservatism and everything like that. Right. It's just like this weird budding of ideologies constantly throughout the film. Um, I love The Big Lebowski. And just, it's very original for a white dude to be talking about how good The Big Lebowski is. And it's, uh, yeah, and it's yeah. a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Which comes Brothers back movie, to that. Yeah. The little comparison I made, yeah, not, exactly. not three hours ago. Anim- animal, <laughs> I, I feel like Animal Kingdom. I felt a similar way when I watched it, um, and I feel like David Michaud. Have you ever seen Crossbow, his short film that no, he did before? Animal Kingdom is a fucking incredible film. It's great, so good. Animal Kingdom and Crossbow felt made me feel the same way as the Safety Brothers, where it was like no one else has done stuff like this that I've seen. You know, yeah, it's got a tone to it that I haven't experienced before, and I didn't really know that you could convey in film. Well, maybe, so maybe I'm just really have to start up a thread asking for more oddball dramas. Yeah, with a weird if, if anyone's got any tone. suggestions, yeah, I'll, I'll, let's throw up a thread in the. I think in the yeah, Facebook group, what you're getting at, yeah, that's 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 a good idea. But <laughs> what, I think what you're getting at is like 
a very striking and unique drama, which you don't really know why it's striking and unique, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like curious that. specifically. Like, I feel like that with uh, Animal Kingdom, for sure. There yeah. are so many striking characters. The the place, everything about it is the so fully realized. The unsettling. Yeah. yeah. I thought that Captain Fantastic was kind of, gave me a similar feeling to that. It's okay. completely different tonally, but that's kind of, it felt kind of striking and unique in a weird way where I wasn't really expecting that from that movie going Not into Captain it. Not Captain Fantastic. The other one about the kid being raised with Thomas and Mackenzie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, the, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. The yeah, one about the that National one. Park. That yes. was that was quite unique as that, well. Oh, I need to know what this is now. That's a really fucking good movie. That's great. We watched uh, Captain Fantastic one week, and then the next week we watched this other movie that was also about a child being raised in the forest by a father. And there was so and totally leave, leave no trace. Were, leave, yeah, leave it, no yeah. trace. That's, that's it. great. You got to watch that. Um, ben Foster, who's in that, is also in Hell or High Water. You should watch Hell or oh, High okay. Water. Okay, he was really good. That's really good. Um, is that the fifteen year? A meth movie? No, Hella no, High Water the is the, the Texas, Texas oh, yeah, yeah. outlaw film. Country movie. Um, yeah, but I'm, what I'm really curious about, because I really like what the Safdie brothers are doing, and I feel like there's it does sort of sum the, the greater Western experience at this point in time, but it, all is, it is also very America-centric. Yeah. And I'd just be curious to see if anyone feels like Australian voices have captured that same... Uh, it's it's hard because yeah, moment, we did, but for us, we, we don't, don't get many movies. Yeah, we've got the castle. I I sincerely think that the castle is a great movie that does <laughs> a bit of that. But yeah, uh, maybe. I, but I feel like that's why our parents watch it. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't fucking. Re- it doesn't I don't say relate to, our, to the castle at our all. Time. But yeah, it's 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 an example of yeah. I, th- yeah, I think sure. it, right. I think it the does modern that. day version of the castle that. Is yeah. kind of tapping into the same energy as the South. I, I, I would love to review into, you know? um, an Australian indie film at some point. Uh, Suburban Wildlife screened recently, and I'm very interested in seeing that. Okay. Yeah, right. I don't we'll think talk about that. Maybe later, we'll have to maybe. have you back on when we <laughs> yeah. do that. Actually, uh, penultimate guest, I guess not penultimate, but second from the most recent guest, Zach, uh, <laughs> has told me about like eight great Australian independent films that he's watched in okay. recent times and so I, I feel like I need to just compile a list and like yeah I need to watch more if you guys Aussie want to talk film. to Zach give him a call 043 <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> just ask for his don't recommendations stop. don't stop <laughs> <laughs> um, is that about all I think it's about about, about us done for this week's episode uh, how, many, how many bags of popcorn guys 17. Oscar's vehemently opposed to rating systems <laughs> yeah me too um, <laughs> I haven't been able to very very well do my better than, worse than idea that I strong-armed us into doing very much at all recently. I think I enjoyed this a lot more than I enjoyed... I think it's better than Good Time. Yeah, this feels like the... I didn't enjoy Good it more. Time like felt like the ramp that let them jump to this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm very, very interested in seeing what they do from Next. now. Yeah, because this was the one that they wanted to make, right? Yeah. I feel like they, they were leading up to this point. This sort of this is Every like, movie was like, if we don't make this, then we're going to be out of the film business. Well, this now this film for them this. is like what Hereditary was to Ari Aster as well. Yeah, I think right. it was just like the product of so many years of work and they just fucking nailed it. Maybe yeah. we're not going to get another moment because this, yeah, this is like eight years of work. Maybe not. I feel like what this... But they've cemented themselves. They've cemented their stature. Yeah. You they've, know first albums, how like f- first Album's really great, and then like notoriously second Soft album. Sophomore syndrome, yeah, Sophomore yeah. syndrome, right? Because the first album is like that band's entire career for the last five years have been gigging, and no one's paid attention, one. yeah. and then all of a sudden there's this yeah. brilliant thing oh, that this comes is out. It by the strokes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, right. The thing about this is it by the strokes. Oh no! Cut his mic. Cut his mic. One of my favorite albums of all time. <laughs> yeah, when you when you're watching a filmmaker and they get that like perfect project and it's like their first project that always worries me when the next one comes out because I sort of think yeah. like how many years did you spend really properly 
shaping that one. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they must have other ideas going as well because they tried to make this one for 10 years and Good Time came out. Well, I think the thing for filmmakers as well is that filmmaking is a very different process to writing a novel or, yep. or a song, you know, Recording or making an album, an album yeah. or something like that. Is that, yeah, you are basically almost running a small business like you're constantly in and out of meetings with different key holders and figures and you've got different scripts that you've got on the boil and you're doing drafts and redrafts of them so i think it's a very interesting and like dynamic process also probably why like only rich kids get to do it (laughs) is because like you have the money and the resources to be able to to (laughs) devote fucking decades of your life to that shit to fuck it up yeah yeah anyway Enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got a better than worse then. How's this? I'm fucking doing it. Uh, Uncut Gems, better than Good Time, yep. worse than Mandy. I know that. I know it's different. Kind yeah, of okay. different tonally, No, no, no. I, that, but I, mean, I see what you mean. Artistic films that are making a statement that have a very present score and are doing a lot of interesting stuff cinematographically. Taking that's what a I'm lot doing. of risks. That's the official beef station, better than worse than, unless you guys have got uh, any anything else. I reckon Uncut Gems is better than Good Time, worse than Mandy. Uh, I think on a, on a personal level, I really enjoyed this that. film. I don't know. It's, I'm sort of sitting on this. Uh, I don't know whether uh, it's going to be a film that I keep returning to. Mm. Um, I really, really loved it. Uh, I, I think I'm just going to have to see how it sits. But I, like, I, I, it's definitely a fucking great film. I suppose another better than worse than you could do is looking through the best picture nominees from this year and trying to work out which one you'd bump to Sam get this Lewis one Sam Lewis fucking robs, dude. Oh, and yeah. I don't even think it, for the meme. Just, just, I, I honestly think this is such a good performance by him. Really like, was. Look at, look at all of the other nominees and he definitely deserves to be a, at least Above amongst at least one them. of them. I yeah. think yeah. he probably like, it's probably harder to, I don't know, He he in my mind, he created a character that was as believable as Phoenix's Joker. Yeah. Like it might not have... Been uh, quite it's definitely the same my, departure. my fucking Halloween costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> so good. The That's moment good I one. saw it, I thought, fucking Pat's going to bust out some <laughs> wacky-ass comment about a costume in 15 minutes. Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> such a good costume, man. I'll go with him when he's in the car boot. you got to yeah. do it only if you do the hair. you got to get your hair yeah. back, thin it out with the yeah. tips. and Oh, God. God. Fuck, so good. Yeah. He, um, um, he, he did so, so good. He created such a living, embodied character. That um, it feels uh, no one, no one else on that list in my mind comes close other no. than Phoenix's Joker. The, and even the Academy is has an institutional bias against comedy yeah. and horror yeah. as well, yeah. which is like so fucking frustrating. And which is also like Oscars are stupid. Oscars are stupid. The Academy's stupid, and they <laughs> I also have you a little bit there. It was like, hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> and they also have like a bias towards like whatever fucking overwrought historical drama has come out that year, no, which is so fucking annoying for me. <laughs> and, and like it, pro- it'll. Either, I don't think Joker's going to win. Overwrought, I don't yeah. think Parasite's going to win. I no. think it's going to be Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Or if that one Ford best, best picture, Ferrari. That's the one we haven't seen. If that one best picture, that winning best picture is the same as Buttigieg announcing yeah. that he fucking it'll, won yes. the Iowa caucus. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> no one did <laughs> fucking win. Um, it'll, anyway. be, it'll be Ford versus Ferrari or it'll be 1917. Um, mm. It'll be Boomer Bait. Well, mm. looking mm. at the, the best actor nominees here, even out of the... Because I haven't seen Two Popes and I haven't seen fucking Pain and Glory. But even out of the movies the, the act movies here I have seen, Adam Driver, Walking Phoenix and Leonardo DiCaprio, he was better than fucking Adam Driver. He, yeah. he really was. What's I, Adam and Driver I liked, doing on that list? I liked Adam Driver in Marriage Story. I really yeah. did. But not like... Oh, and Le- Leo's performance was good, no, but was it, wasn't, it yeah. wasn't worthy of an, a no, best actor nomination. I, there was this one scene that Andrew and I have frothed about a million times. The Whiskey where, Sours? Uh, no, it's... 
that's good, but I like the scene yeah, where yeah, he's... Yeah, where he's beating himself up about how many yeah, things yeah. he drank. Yeah, I it suppose, is. No, is, is that where he goes in when and out of back two into characters? His trailer. Oh, no, it's on set It's on well. set leading up to that and then the follow-up in the trailer where he's like beating the shit out that's of himself. That's a movie I could fucking watch again. Yeah, I that really could. Movie. I'd be happy for that to win Best Picture. Yes. like That uh, would send a I good message. I don't think it'll be that because Tarantino will... Not but Joker, yeah. Joker 2020 is going to win best Joker. picture. Yeah, Mark Kermode, the British film hero that we like uh, paying attention to, yeah, because yeah. it 1917 is a shoe in. Yeah, it's historical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in any case, I think that's all we're going to do for this week's episode. Thanks, we can boys. talk about the Oscars yeah. first. Thank you very much for coming on. Had a Once lot of fun again, again, Pat is in a band called Paint Store. Go it's check brilliant. out them they gigs. Have heaps of gigs coming up soon. If you skip the new segment, big things first of coming. all, fuck all of you, and second of all. Uh, we posted a bunch of paint store gig links in the description. So go to that. Make sure you buy tickets. Support Pat's also local music. Got a solo act called Swells. S. Wells. Yeah. You're great. Sorry, I didn't mean, I don't know why Thank I talked you. over there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Continuing yeah, the work that I was doing. Uh, I'll be working on some stuff on that uh, coming up soon. So yeah. keep an ear out. Um, yes. Pat is honestly one of my one of my favorite local musicians, and I would say that even if I wasn't sitting right next to him <laughs> yeah, on the couch, I know, right? a putty, and honestly, extremely, extremely good, yeah. very talented Cheers, young guys. man. That's uh, all we I got. Love, I love your works. Thank you. As well. Thank you. And I love coming on, hopping on the fucking hot mic with you. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! Good and to have you back a, again. Having a little bit of a locker room talk with the boys <laughs> for, for all twenty <laughs> other people that listen to this that are just our friends. If you want to come on, just let us know. Yeah. Any reason Patty's on here is because he asked? He asked, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Right? I'm yeah. begging you guys. We have no standards at all. The quality <laughs> control, as I'm sure you've understood, is very, very low. That's not reflecting anything on Pat. I'm just saying, if you ask, we'll probably be like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we just like having people on and it means that like they make all their friends listen to it, which is yeah. really nice. So. <laughs> yeah, so don't tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Ask us if you can be on the podcast yeah. and, and then we'll further close it in this weird tell circle that is people episode. that listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening for another week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Follow the links we're going to give for Pat's bullshit. Uh, follow our <laughs> shit. We're on, uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash beefstationpod. You very can good. email us for any private little messages mm. at beefstationpod at gmail.com. Also, keep, keep an ear out for Oscars uh, he's got a couple Ooh, of songs yeah. no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no I think I thank you I think I worked out I ripped off the Eagles no, the fucking Eagles stop. just go f- play some open mics dude you'll be fine <laughs> you got some good shit <laughs> this conversation can continue off the it? Eagles fucking <laughs> suck anyway yeah thanks for listening for another bow, week no, bow. no I'm Oscar <clears throat> I'm Oscar uh, <laughs> I'm Andrew I'm Patrick I'm Pat <laughs> see you later bye bye <laughs>